Welcome back to the Archie Sonic Digest. And folks, we have... I, I don't say this lightly, folks. I, I've only said it like once or twice when we've done episodes like this. But we have Kino! Kino is on the menu with the story arcs we have today, folks. Now, when I was going to read this arc, I, I didn't think much of it. I was like, oh, well, Speed likes some specific things. You know, maybe maybe it'll appeal to me. Nah. No, 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 no. We have something really special. Yes. Really special. If there is ever an arc that shows the sort of thing and the main theme that I've kind of talked about with my opinion about post-reboot Archie, it's the blend. It's that blend of the comic story and the game story in that perfect way. And my God, does this arc nail it. It nails it so well. I cannot for this you know i'm just i'm so i just want to get into it right now i'm getting into it now all right yeah we're going we're, we're just we're doing it sonic the hedgehog issue 268 flynn of course is our writer and we've got a new artist on board diana skelly is her name she is of course another fan of sonic the hedgehog turned creative she started her career with archie and still works on idw sonic today Lo- love legend. it love it Le- legend legend so we begin in the underground zone from the fucking what is this sonic one on the game gear or sonic, sonic two, two on, on the, the game gear. in the game gear yes as Sonic runs away from an egg antlion as he is being attacked by fucking coconuts. (laughs) I mean, what do you want us to say at this point? I mean, look at this. (laughs) Great start. We have a great start already. So yes, this is a little flashback. Sonic is being attacked by coconuts and coconuts on one side, the egg antlion on the other. Sonic is thinking, okay, I got to time this just right. More bombs are being thrown to hit the antlion. And then Sonic... Once it's defeated, kicks one back to Coconuts, his Eggmobile is destroyed. Boom. So now, the next scene. Sonic is seen running in the distance, and in the corner of our eye, we see we see our boys, Scratch and Grounder. Just giving a good good applause yeah, for them. Yeah, 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 yeah. We love them. We love these fucking idiots. <laughs> and uh, they're telling their uh, <clears throat> hostage. You can hear those air quotes? Hostage. Breezy. Not to mess things up. And she's keeping it together. So Sonic runs into Scratching Grounder. And without even talking to them, he takes him out in rapid hits and saves Breezy. She's just begging to be taken with him. But he's like, hey, I I gotta save my friend. Like, I'm sorry, but like, I, I guess I can let you tag along? Huh? And now, in the present, the Sky Patrol... Sonic is telling that story to the rest of the Freedom Fighters, saying, Yeah, that's how I met our lovely Madam Breezy. As Tails comments that it was a little upsetting to learn that she was working for Eggman from the get-go. By the way, Tails is making the fucking Excalibur face from Soul Eater. I love that. I, uh, okay, you know what? We gotta bring it up now. The art in these four issues is absolutely exceptional on every level. The expressions are top tier. The jokes hit so fucking hard. Everything you want. Everything you want. Yes. With that being told, now Amy's asking, hey, 
Why are you telling us about this, like, now? We sh- what, do you- what is this? And Sonic's like, hey, man, look, like, I haven't told you everything from my adventures, okay? Especially, I don't want to tell you the stories. Hey, you guys want to hear about how I got played for a chump, Lamau? So I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't understand this reference. Can you please explain it to me in the audience? This is kind of like a scene. This is kind of retelling an episode of AOSTH. So like I said before in the last episode, Breezy... Scratch Grounder and Coconuts, they're all from Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog. So that episode ended with Breezy being revealed to be a robot creation of Robotnik oh, to bait right, Sonic. right, 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 right. Okay, okay, okay. And um, yes. as far as the AOSTH incorporation goes, Breezy being a robot, pin in that. That's all I'm going to say for now. As we continue, Sally explains that Breezy has come a long way from being a double agent. She now runs the largest entertainment network in the entire world. Her next publicity stunt is, of course, the fighting tournament, with a Chaos Emerald as a prize. Sonic, Tails, and Amy are assigned to be Team Fighters! as she was able to procure a spot on the roster. Bunny asking, well, I know we got whooped earlier, but we want another shot at the Emerald. Sally replies that, yeah, she did try to get them all on the roster, but the cutoff for registration already passed and Breezy would only concede to Sonic, Amy, and Tails specifically. Uh, Rodor kind of says a uh, very pressing matter, which is, uh, but isn't she kind of connected to a lot of shady shit? And we're trying to save the world. We should just take the emerald. Um, ever seen that meme of like uh, Stan from American Dad looking at the meter going like base department to fed posting and it's like right <laughs> in the middle? That's where Rotor is right now. I mean... I- <laughs> Yo, if any of you are artists, can you please retry that? <laughs> I, I need that shit, like, now. <laughs> Sonic says that he does enjoy the direct route, but Amy butts in saying, We don't do that! That's like Eggman! And uh, Rotor once again says, But we're saving the world! Sally cuts it, saying that Amy's right. The world looks to us for hope, and if we act like we're above the law, we're only sowing trouble for ourselves later. Fair enough. Fair Fair enough. enough. Fair, Fair enough. Fair enough. Sally does say that she did offer to buy the emerald, but, uh, Sonic says, hey, is your dad cool with us using his kingdom's treasury to bankroll us? As, uh, we cut to a brief scene of, uh, Sally asking her dad for the uh, money to buy the emerald. Him being like, are you for fucking real right now? <laughs> <laughs> hey, yo, what? <laughs> what do you think this is? Her dad is pragmatic, so she says. But look, um, the tournament starts tomorrow. Good luck, guys. Uh, rest up. All right, so Sonic, Tails, and Amy go in for their rest. But Tails says, you know... We are playing it straight here, but that doesn't necessarily mean Eggman will. What's going to stop him from just, like, outright invading Casino Park? Meanwhile, in what is can only be described as one of the most incredible reaction images I've seen from this comic, Eggman is blowing up Breezy's phone, saying that he will invade every one of her precious casinos, carbon bomb every property you own, and launch a missile at every media satellite you have. No, ten missiles! <laughs> And um, Coconuts was the one who picked up the call, and he's got, like, the phone, like, away from his ear saying, uh, ma'am, uh, phone for you. Also says that Scratch needs her to look at something. So she takes the phone in the limo, and she goes to Eggman, 
Uh, listen, you're not going to do a single damn thing. You have your forces still trying to pick up the Shattered World Crisis, so you really don't have a chance at my defenses. Besides, you know it, I know it, we both hate robot-on-robot violence, right? But Eggman says, if you don't give me the Emerald, I'm going to stop offloading my old bandic stock to you. But it's like, pfft, you lose out on one of your most lucrative exports? Okay, sure. So then Eggman says, okay, fine. Um, I'll buy it off you. How much? <laughs> you don't have enough. What? Panem and Santris is doctor. The world is in ruins and the people are miserable. So I intend to give the people a show they'll definitely pay for. You can harm me, threaten me, or buy me out. Oh, I've learned a lot from you, Ivo, but since I've graduated from your school of hard knocks... And then she, like, ignores him, passes the phone off, and arrives to scratch. Uh, Eggman is still screaming into the phone. And uh, <laughs> so now she's looking at what uh, Scratching Grounder found. Someone hacked into the roster and swapped out someone for someone else. So she's like, okay, change it back. Why am I here? They're like, um, you might want to see who got hacked in. Oh. Yeah, he's going to make a much better show. Leave that in. Leave it in. Leave it in. Now takes the phone back. Uh, Eggman is still screaming into the mic saying, yeah, look, I got work to do. Goodbye. My man, we, we cut back and my man's just slumped in his chair like, fuck. <laughs> so he rings up Knack. Knack replies, yo, we just got to the exit ramp. We'll be at Capsita Park in five, five shopping listening. Breezy expects me to play by her rules, but she's forgotten I run the show. If you bungle the tournament, I want you to disable Casino Park's defenses. Knack responds, saying that, you know, thanks for the confidence. <laughs> but yeah, we can do that. Grabbing the Chaos Emerald for you is the free dig. Sabotaging is another job with another invoice. Uh, Eggman is not happy about that, but accepts the offer. Uh, so yes, uh, Bark, Bean, and Knack are now here. Great. Eggman uh, switches the lines uh, and calls up our guy Metal Sonic in the middle of an attempt at assassination, <laughs> uh, threatening a scholar as he pleads for his life. And the phone rings. Metal Sonic answers, saying that he has found a target of interest concerning the Gaia temples. Eggman says, uh, sending you the coordinates, get over there on the double. Metal Sonic stops for a brief moment and jets off. The scholar says that this is a problem and he must break tradition and warn the others. Pin in this is going to be important. Now, we then see team fighters arriving at Casino Park. Breezy is waiting for them at the front. And also, uh, Tails is giving the car to the valet. For the record, their car is Sonic Speedstar from Racing Transformed. <sighs> it's the little things, man. It's the little things. The little things. All right, so Breezy leads them inside. You know, they exchange their niceties. And Breezy's, like, kind of leading Sonic along by the arm. They're, like, connected elbow to elbow. It's really cute, actually, because, uh... Another thing about that episode of AOSCH in question, Sonic kind of like had a little had a little thing for Breezy. So I think it's supposed to show that like it's kind of it's kind of still there. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's uh, it's it's adorable. Meanwhile, Amy is just watching this and molding in the background while Tails is like, yo, I'm on high alert right now. I don't trust this bitch. <laughs> He's like, what's going on like, here? I'm not, I'm not fucking with this. <laughs> it's uh, it, it's pretty wonderful. Breezy and Sonic talk, some light quips back and forth, but uh, Breezy mentions that uh, he's done nothing but help. Paid programming orders have tripled since it was announced you three will be contending, saying that they have full access to all amenities and that there are a few rules to take into account. Once things get started, there's to be no fighting outside of the ring, no helping your buddies in the ring, 
and show up on time for your matches. Sonic counters with a rule of his own. Uh, I don't work nights. But Breezy says, nah, uh, uh, you're prime time, buddy. But uh, Sonic kind of like low-key threatens to drop out of the tournament. And Breezy is just, she's a little miffed about that. It's like, okay, fine. Fine. Daytime it is. But remember, if you try to beat the house, the house will beat you. So Sonic and Tails joke about it, looking around, talking for a bit, and then look for Amy. As Amy is entranced by the appearance of... Oh, God, holy shit! Folks, you want to talk deep cuts? You want to talk fucking deep cuts? I would like to introduce Miss Honey the Cat. For those that do not know, Miss Honey the Cat was originally intended to be a playable character in Sonic the Fighters, but she was cut from the game's development last minute. Until... The Xbox Live Arcade port of Sonic the Fighters came out, and Honey was re-added to the roster. There's like multiple in-layers of jokes about this, so the full thing is that Sonic the Fighters engine is the same engine that was used for Fighting Vipers, which is another Sega fighting game, and Honey the Cat, her appearance is supposed to be a play on the character Honey in Fighting Vipers. They share basically the same design. She's just, Honey the Cat's just a Mobian, obviously. But yeah, it's just a fun little, fun little developer in-joke that was trying to happen. And it evolved into, oh my god, this character is, is, is lost media. And then she came back from the dead. And now she's in this fucking comic because Ian likes his cuts deep. I mean, what, what do you, what, what do you want us to say? Like, it's, it's just, it's so perfect. It's so perfect. Yes. Amy, Amy is like continuing to fangirl over her as she is one of her favorite fashion designers. And when she approaches Honey, Honey's just like, wait, oh, I know you. You're one of the famous freedom fighters, aren't you? And Amy's like, yeah, you know, I love your stuff. I mean, you know, yeah. Then the two in unison say, if you don't look sweet, you're not wearing Honey, which is her company's tagline. Very, very cute. The boys simply watch in awe as they golf clap. <laughs> It's like, oh, uh, wow, they definitely did not rehearse that. <laughs> Again, it cannot be overstated how good the expression work is in this comic and the faces and the reactions. It's just so on the nose. Honey comments that, wait, wait, wait a minute. Your dress is from my old Dreamcasters line. Oh, Ian. Oh, you, oh, you're, oh, Ian, Ian, you sly you, dog, you. you. <laughs> <laughs> and and Amy's like, yeah, I love it. Honestly, I, I don't wear anything else. So Honey's like, you know what? How about this? I'm going to relaunch this dress as the Rose Collection. What do you say about being my lead spokeswoman? And Amy is uh, is elated with that. And uh, hey, you know, to move sales, you, you know a princess, right? Oh, I know two princesses. Yo! <laughs> <laughs> this is pretty wild, folks. This is pretty fucking wild. Sonic then calms her down and says, Hey, uh, honey, what brings you to this fighting tournament, huh? And she says, Well, I'm competing, of course. I'm just here to do some free advertising, though. So Tails comes up to her and says, Well, you know, we kind of have a whole thing here. We need the Chaos Emerald. Blah, blah, blah. And she's like, Oh, well, I mean, if I win, I'll give you the Chaos Emerald. And in return, you guys will promote my new line, right? Tails is like, well, I really only wear shoes, socks, and, and gloves. You can accessorize. <laughs> <laughs> My man is uh, very afraid about this. Uh, I would be too. <laughs> well, Sonic's like, well, 
Uh, we got one ally at least. And then from behind, we see our team hooligan. They see Sonic and immediately pull back behind a slot machine. Bad luck to run into them here, Knack thinks. Uh, they are definitely here for the Emerald. But Beans was like, man, I thought we were here to play poker. But uh, I, I bet Tails counts cards anyway. <laughs> hey, yo! <laughs> Uncalled for, man. A little fucked up. A little fucked up. Beans suggested they call Baldy McNosehair and tell him we're moving straight to plan B before Knack fucking grabs his ass and drags him over, telling him, are you crazy? Figurative or literally? (laughs) (laughs) It's like a, it's like a Daffy Duck moment. Legally, there's no word for my condition. God, he's so based. How, how can one, how can one character be this good? And then Knack is just like, listen, we've got our reputations to uphold. We still have those. And then Mac realizes they're attracting a crowd. So they're just like, all right, we're, we're moving along now. Just moving along. Maybe if we keep low, we can take them out one by one by surprise. And then the crowd disperses. And then Espio is seen behind and then quickly runs to a payphone. On, but he mentions that he only has enough money for a minute, though. And Vector's just like, what do you mean? I sent you there with five bucks and change. Uh, the, the machines are rigged here. I'm sure of it. <laughs> Oh my god, oh god, uh, SPO's oh a, a degenerate little gamba boy, huh? Oh, uh, the, 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 I, I don't know how to feel about this revelation. <laughs> oh god. SPO says he spotted team fighters and the hooligans, so I'll do what I can to help out the former, but no one knows I snuck in one more friendly face to the roster. And finally, we see Chip. He's loving the atmosphere of the place, but he's a little reserved when he remembers he's here on a mission... With our boy Knuckles, he knows there's a Master Emerald shard here. He can feel it. As one would say, the Great Emerald's power allows him to feel. And that's the end of 268. What a what a fucking way to introduce this arc. Zingers flying left and right. Great jokes coming through. I mean, I, I don't know what, what else you could, could ask for. I, I think that it's um I think it's fantastic, frankly. God, it's so good. All right. So, let us make our way onto Sonic the Hedgehog, issue 269. Nice. Nice. Uh, Flint and Skelly, uh, the creative team once again. We open in the Scrambled Egg Zone, which is the final zone from uh, Sonic 2 on Game Gear, where the prototype Silver Sonic attacks Sonic and Breezy. Yeah, Sonic is thinking, why has there been a super bad Nick every turn we cross the island? And then Breezy admits, oh, well, it's just because I've been feeding Eggman info since you rescued me. And you still made it this far. You really are a hero. And then Sonic's just like, well, wait, what? I'm not doing this for shits and giggles. Rebutnik kidnapped Tails. You're putting a kid's life on the line. Breezy, though, just says, tough. Since I teamed up with the doctor, I don't need to worry about where my next meal is coming from. Or I even have to question whether or not I get to sleep indoors. It's been fun, little boy. But now it's over. As she six Silver Sonic on him. And then in the present, Breezy was thinking back to that moment. Sonic really did end up saving Tails and foiling the Doctor's plan, and he did grow up to be a spectacular hero. And I can still use him to my advantage. Ha! As we move to... Now, before we get into this, if it's not blatantly obvious at this point, this arc is a Sonic the Fighters adaptation. Let's talk about the fact that Ian Flynn decided to write a Sonic the Fighters adaption within a Sonic Unleashed adaption. Folks, his brain is larger than anyone else's on this planet. It's it's too crazy. I, I can't even believe the balls it took to pull this off. It's nuts. And it's also an Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog adaption. Lightly. And a Sonic 2, and, and a, and a Sonic 2 Game Gear adaption. 
Lightly. There's a light, 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 light. My man, my man, Ian Flynn's cooking up some gumbo in that pot. It's nuts. So we cut to the South Island stage, I believe, of uh, Sonic the Fighters, where Sonic takes out a a, a very interesting individual by uh, Total Knockout. Uh, it is none other than the god, the goat, the legend, the hero of our time, Sagata Sachiro! <laughs> also known as the OG Common Rider, folks. It's, uh, it's, I, I have no words. For this reference it's just too based kino is always on the menu with ian around wow so sonic of course won by tko sigata bows to sonic saying i lost to the sonic the hedgehog i have no shame in that and sonic bows back thank you for keeping the fight interesting so sonic savoring in the win everyone's cheering for him does the double piece in the ring and amy like rushes ringside to say hey hey sonic uh the sun's about to set you gotta you gotta get out of here go and then sonic's just like ah Runs off. Good luck on the fight, Amy. He runs into his room, uh, instantly transforms into the werehog, says even though he's got a handle on that, you know, the people don't need to see their hero turn into into this. Well, he leaps onto the bed. Doesn't really like sitting still, but at least I can cheer on Tails and Amy in spirit. Too bad Sally couldn't buy more of us in. Would have liked to have some more friends on our side. SBO is seen watching from the rafters, uh, saying that things are going smoothly. Sonic won his first match. Tails will face Honey. And Amy, as we cut to a image of Amy going absolutely apeshit on some random dude with her hammer in the Sandopolis zone. You know, yeah. Amy, will, Amy will be fine. Yeah, she can handle herself. But SBO's real concern is the hooligans. He knows he's facing Bean first. I can handle him, but wish I could find Knuckles and just tell him I added him to the roster. We then uh, cut to a pretty decadent rich woman. She has a master emerald shard for a necklace, saying this set me back quite a bit. Done by an exclusive jeweler. Oh, you wouldn't have heard of him. But then uh, Knuckles comes out from behind. He was hiding in some plants, asking, yo, what you have is a piece of a much larger gem. You probably just found it in your backyard. And actually, uh, it's mine. I I need it back, if you will. Says, I have no clue what you're talking about. I only wear the finest in fine jewelry. And then, like, quick thinking, Chip swipes it out from under her nose. And Knuckles, seeing that real quick, is like, oh, oh, I'm very sorry. Must have mistaken. Turn away. Walk away. And uh, Chip, our man, hold a little piece in hand. As Knuckles gives him a cute little head pat. I, I have to say, it's minor, but I do like that Knuckles is taking on a very, like, like, very, like, caring, like, kind role to Chip and not getting very annoyed with him. He's being very patient. I think that's a really unique trait to give Knuckles, especially for this character. They're both people bound by duty. It makes a lot of sense. It's just fun seeing Knuckles interact with all these characters. It really is. It is. I love it. So uh, Chip is a little concerned that they just robbed someone blindly, but Knuckles says, no, this is definitely what we're looking for. I thought I felt a large cluster of them, but now that we're here, it really is just this thing and the Chaos Emerald they're using as the prize. And Chip actually suggests that they take it too. It could take us one step closer to saving the world. Knuckles thinking it's also one step closer to dropping Angel Island into the ocean. But then Chip looks onto the monitor. Hey, that fighter has two tails. Sick. But Knuckles sees, wait. That is Tails, so Sonic is probably here too. Uh, maybe we should team up. But then uh, Chip calls Knuckles' attention. Scratch is coming towards him. Knuckles got the, the fists up saying, all right, all right, what do you want from me here? But Scratch tells him, hey, you got to get to the ring. Your match is up. You want the emerald or not? I don't remember entering the contest, but okay, I can just win the emerald. 
Okay, we move on to the next match. The announcer, who actually is another character from AOSTH. His name is Wesley. Uh, he's just a side character. It's just a fun little call out. I know, it's pretty crazy that they, again, it's another really deep cut. Wild. So he's announcing, live from Casino Park in the heart of Empire City, the next match of the Chaos Battle Royale, Tails vs. Honey, sponsored by the Maripis Tourism Board, Hexaco Energy, and Meteotech, now under new non-evil management. Got, we got them, like, one after the other. I right? know, they're just banging them out, bro. Like, come on, that's the one. I, uh, you're going to see a lot more of those. We transition to the Riverside stage of uh, Sonic the Fighters. And uh, Tails and Honey, they give a nice brief handshake saying, uh, you know, let's give him a good show. Uh, as Honey cracks her knuckles and gives Tails a bit of a wallop to his stomach. Tails ducks after for the second kick. As he attempts to attack Honey, uh, missing her ever so slightly, we cut to the Freedom Fighters, uh, all watching, gathered around the TV. Sally mortified, big vibing, Rotor and uh, Bunny trying to comfort poor Cream as she's scared for Tails. And, and uh, Antoine bringing a big old bowl of popcorn. He just knows how to enjoy the time. He just knows what's up. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> the, French man, the French man's watching the fighting. He's like, oh, maybe I'll see Sonic get his comeuppance for once. Oh, hell yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Tails and Honey are about to clash once again, and Honey distracts Tails by warning him there's a rogue wave that isn't there. And she does this sort of, like, faint attack where she, like, splits her image in two, distracting Tails, and then comes into uppercut Tails. And she wins by ring out, which we cream is like screaming at the TV. That's not fair. That's cheating. <laughs> and everyone's just like, whoa, whoa. Hey, whoa, whoa. whoa. Yeah. Antoine gets so scared. He drops the popcorn and it lands on Big's head. Still just vibing. Still just vibing. Just like, hey, yo. <laughs> Outside the ring, uh, Tails and Honey are in the locker rooms like saying, hey, you know, don't worry about it. I'm still going to give you the emerald, but hey, this is a fighting tournament, kid. We're we're here to fight for real. Tails is just walking away, upset he was eliminated in the first round, and hey, you cheated. But Honey's just like, look, listen, it's all fair in love and war and business. Look, I want to make it up for you. How, how about I just give you a new look, huh? And then Tails is uh, clearly frightened by this. Uh, we will see where that leads us. Round three takes us to the Mushroom Hill Zone Arena. We have an interesting matchup here. <laughs> SVO versus Bean. Wow. I never thought I'd see these two fight in any context. SBO just looks at Bean saying, I didn't expect to meet you again so soon. But Bean, though, is like, he's doing his thing. He said, hey, wait, did... Do I know you? Your horn does make you look a little familiar, but I do hang out with a lot of coat racks. Owned, owned, owned. Owned, 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 owned. SBO's clearly pissed about this, referencing the uh, fight against him in uh, Pumpkin Hill and uh, Aquatic Mine, and tried to leave him to a watery grave. Uh, Bean, though, is just vibing, dodging and ducking under SBO's attacks and... Clearly just making uh, tons of uh, very interesting moves. Bean responds saying that you're the samurai lizard guy <laughs> and that he needs more lumbar support as he dodges an attack. SBO's pissed, throwing a shuriken at Bean, saying I am no samurai lapdog as Charmy and Vector watch, frightened for their lives. Bean dodges, saying, you know, oh, I'd hope not. You make for a really ugly dog. 
as Espio charges up a tornado of some kind and is tripped by Bean, sending him flying out of the arena, meaning he won by ring out. And then that's where Espio realizes, wait a minute, this was bait. You played me from the start. And then Bean looks down at him from the arena with with ice in his fucking veins, dude. That This is one of the only times in this series where we get to see like an actual sinister persona from Bean. It's pretty impressive. It's pretty, pretty, pretty impressive. It's like, so. it, it shows even us, the reader, like, oh, God, th- this little thing is capable then way more than he's letting on. Oh, God. <laughs> we move to round four, where Knuckles and Bark are placed up against each other in, I don't know what zone this is, but it's a, a the, the zone itself in uh, Sonic the Fighters is very beautiful. It's like an Aurora sort of ice background. Um, And the two of them, they, they just go toe to toe. It just beat the ever-loving shit out of one another. Yeah, and we're also seeing, like, a montage of, like, a lot of people around the world, like, Thunderbolt's underlings watching the fight in their command room, and she's not happy about them slacking on the job. We also see some stuff about uh, Axel and his crew. They're in their workshop. They're, they're just enjoying themselves watching the fight. They're getting drinks. They're all having a good time. You know, Knuckles and Bark are returning hits. They're evenly matched. But then Knuckles delivers the final blow, a full, fully-powered uppercut, and wins by KO. And final little montage is Team Dark watching the fight. Rouge is like fucking hyped for her boy. Omega's super into the fight. And you know Shadow's just like pretending not to be into it. He's just like, eh, I don't really care, man. <laughs> Knuckles wins by knockout. Of course he does. Standing triumphant over Bark in a absolutely great little shot of him. Tired, down and out, but still standing victorious. Knuckles is once again declared the winner. Amy, Honey, and SPR are cheering him in the stands, although Tails is, like, still a little salty, lost to Honey, but, you know, she gave him a little bow tie. He looks a little, he looks kind of dapper, I'm not gonna lie. He looks a little, uh, looks a little good. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit, you know. But then Honey brings him in and says, hey, you gotta look at the bright side. At least you won't be the one fighting Knuckles next. Amy will be. She's like, what? Huh? And then, yeah, yeah, and I, Honey, will be fighting Sonic. Now, uh... Move away. Bean and Knack are collecting Bark. He's on a stretcher going into the med bay. Then Knack uh, reports to Eggman. Bark lost, but Bean won. So we're going to go up against Sonic eventually. Are you sure you don't want to do plan B and save us all the trouble? He only says, don't. Not right now. I want to beat Breezy by her own game. But if you fail, and only if, we play my game. Sonic then won't be fighting for the Emerald. He'll be fighting for his life. That's the end of 269. Another great issue. My God, this arc is so good. Let's keep the ball rolling. Sonic 270, Flynn and Skelly, the creative team. Another flashback shot. We open on Empire City in Casino Park in the recent past, described just before the events of Sonic Heroes. Stick with me. So we see Eggman building Casino Park for Breezy, the new capital of her casino empire, and also a pretty elaborate death trap for Sonic. And Eggman is a little uncharacteristically bashful. Says, oh, you know me, you know how I am. And Breeze says, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. You found me in a bad place, showed me what it takes not just to succeed, but to conquer. Which is why I know you're not the real Eggman. And he's just like, what, how dare you? Breeze says, hey, hey, I'm just calling your bluff. At this point, Eggman disintegrates into liquid metal. And out of the liquid metal comes Neo Metal Sonic! Let's go! 
another beggar! Obviously, this is something that's very obvious from the moment you read that it's before Heroes. Eggman would at this point, Eggman is all tied up. But my god, I love this fucking design so much. So Neo Metal says, how long did you know? And she says, look, from the start, Eggman's never generous like this in negotiations. Then Metal, like, grabs Breezy's face saying, if you dare tell Sonic about this. It's like, what are you... No, I don't have any reason to tell him. And then she, like, she kind of, like, cuddles up to him, weirdly enough, says, listen, I'm getting a new capital for my empire, and you know, we're not so different in the end. Look at us, we're branching out from Eggman, you have your own agenda, you're your own man, and look, your business with Sonic is just that. Just business. Hero villain, I don't take sides, I just do whatever I want to get a profit. Interesting. There's interesting. a lot of there's a lot of interesting things in here. So look, uh, remember what I said about how in AOSTH Breezy was a robot? It's left ambiguous in the Archie Sonic reboot canon as to what Breezy is, but this scene is supposed to be like a hint towards that, I suppose. Uh, I I agree. Maybe Breezy was an advanced form of AI for the Sonic Smash and uh, Search Squad. Could be, could be, could be a a, a thing to uh, to to follow up on. But you know, if it's ambiguous, we will kind of leave it at that. Meanwhile, in the arena, Bean and Knack are fighting <laughs> as Knack loses his shit over Bean throwing bombs like a motherfucker. Everyone rioting and laughing. Sonic having the time of his life. So Sonic, Tails, and SPO are on the sidelines. Sonic's losing his mind. He's having a laugh. But our boy Tails still a little salty over losing to Honey. And he admits, like, honestly, I just felt like I was looked like an amateur in front of the whole world. So Sonic, like, kind of stops for a second and brings him in saying, look, listen. Look, I'll admit, yeah, that was a little rough. But, like, look, everyone knows you're my number one guy. What's one fight compared to all the times we fought Eggman together? Your tails, the kid who keeps Sonic running, the hero who saves Station Square, the guy who took one for the team and didn't mope about it all day. So Tails just like, you know, yeah, okay, okay, fine. You're just a tough act to follow, okay? That's all it is. But Sonic says, look, I can count on you to watch my back, okay? So let's watch Eggman's boys beat the shit out of each other, huh? Great character moment because it shows that, yes, Tails' progression is still constant and that he is his own person, but at times he's still a little unsure of himself and a little bothered by things that can upset him. More importantly, it shows that he has his own agency and wants to do things, and I love that. I love when I, this is this, it's expanding on character growth from the games. That's so good. Oh, yes, love it. Back in the ring, uh, Nat continues to shoot wildly, demanding Bean take a dive for him which proceeds to being literally diving into knack's face kicks off of him front flip in the air does a pirouette eats an, a fucking apple in the air <laughs> he does another front flip sticks the landing hey wait a minute what event even is this wait that plumber lied to me <laughs> <laughs> do we even need to say it do we even need to say it <laughs> Now, Knack uh, gets up and he's muttering, Oh, you son of a... Breezy allowed me to use my blaster just for this round. We're all friends of Eggman's. How do you fucking set me up? So he rushes to Bean as he's just kind of like pretending to be an airplane in the ring. Knack dive kicks right into Bean's head. Says, oh, wow, man, that was a good shot. But Knack says, shut up. You're unconscious now. Okay. Knack <laughs> <laughs> wins by knockout. Oh, oh, okay. And uh, we also see... Uh, 
so, some friends from uh from before. Razor and Striker, who bet on the match, and our boy Razor won. Wow, look at him. Look at him. He's making that fat money. He's on that bookie life, bro. <laughs> Sonic turns to Espio. Yeah, you happy that Beam got bumped? Not really. And then he remembers how he got a call from Vector. How could you lose to that duck? I thought you were a ninja. Fair. <laughs> fair, fair, fair. Now, uh, Tails takes a look at the program. Next is Knuckles versus Amy. Sonic wonders, like, why... How did you get Knuckles in and not the rest of the Chaotix? Espio says he was only able to because he knew Knuckles would be around. I honestly didn't even know if this would work out. And they kind of realize that, honestly, by now, not changing that means Breezy probably is messing around with the brackets. She did put the hooligans up against each other. Eggman might be involved, too, somehow. So maybe Breezy is just keeping things entertaining. To do whatever it takes for that. Knuckles and Amy's match starts. It's a little bit of a bleak setting, but they go to their corners. Amy is like prepping herself mentally to fight Knuckles, thinking once that she beats him, then she'll fight Sonic herself. Would that impress him though, or would that upset him? And then Amy kind of like goes on a downward spiral, saying, I don't want to hurt him. Maybe I should just throw the fight, but maybe that'll upset him. As she's in her own head, Knuckles jumps up, dives down, Punches the ground near Amy, causing debris to fly up, carrying Amy with it, and launches her out of the ring into the crowd. Everyone's just like, yo, what the fuck? Knuckles just stands in the arena, uh, meekly, uh, very unhappy with what has just happened, saying, I I thought we were fighting? <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, and and Razor Razor continued his bet, uh, making fat dough off the king. Now we love to see it. We love to see we it. We love to see it. We love to see it. He's on that hustle. That he's making shmoney schmoves. <laughs> <laughs> Shortly thereafter, Sonic and Tails are in Amy's medical bed. She says she's okay. Honestly, only my pride was really wounded. But hey, get to the final round and kick Knuckles' butt for me. And he says, "Oh, you know it." To Angel Island and back again. But. The next match is against Honey. So they're in their arena. They do the handshake. But Honey says, honestly, considering the situation, Eggman's goons here and Breezy messing with the brackets, I feel like it might be for the best if you're the one in the finals. Honestly, I was just here for self-promotion, honestly. Sonic appreciates that, but we do have a show to do right here. She says, oh, yes, we do. Honey grabs his arm, pile drives him into the ground. The, the, the face that Sonic makes is one of his, his eye being dilated down to the tiniest little dot. And he's, he's like, oh God, what have I got myself into? <laughs> so Sonic dodges a kick. Honey dodges a spin dash. Sonic dodges a rapid hit. And when she tries to pull her faint attack again, Sonic sees through it, grabs the real Honey and throws her out of the ring. As she goes, that was so cool. And Sonic wins. Now, important to note, uh, after this, there is a couple of advertisements. The most prominent one, of course, is Chow Boom! New episodes every Saturday at 6. You know. You know what it is. You know what it is. And now, a word from our sponsor, as we have a sponsored image of Breezy as a young orphan on the streets. Interesting. To being on top of the world, dining and uh, clinking champagne glasses with the, I believe that's the mayor of Station Square, I would assume. 
Interesting. From Casinopolis on West Side Island to Sonic Man Weeknights at 8. Toku. And Chow in Space 3. Breezy Media has become the world's number one choice in gaming, television, and movie entertainment. With Breezy Media, everyone can be a winner. Meanwhile, in the locker room, Knack and the boys were watching that commercial. He's just like, and Knack is going, yeah, yeah, you manipulative so-and-so. But Bean's just like, hey, come on, cheer up. You made it to the semifinals. Well, yeah, no thanks to you. Oh, come on, man. I was throwing small bombs. Knack is just like, yeah, look, I'm just worried now because my next match is against Knuckles and I can't use my blaster here. Bark, you got any ideas? So he kind of hand signals like, you know, oh, yeah. Getting his head, psych him out. Yeah, he, he is kind of dumb and I'm crafty. Yeah, I got this in the bag, boys. And then our match starts. Knack is just talking to Knuckles. Knuckles is just holding his fighting stance. But Knack is just coming in saying, Knuckles, everyone knows you're a fucking little screw up. You can't keep the Master Emerald together. You're such a fucking little failure. Why don't you just walk out the ring and I'll find the Master Emerald pieces for you. And Knuckles just isn't responding as Knack is just swiping his tail at him. Asking like, what, dude, are you broken? But then Knuckles grabs his tail and says, no, I was just waiting for you to sit still for a second. Full on Looney Tunes ass, one slam to the left, one slam to the right, and a fat throw into the crowd again, resulting in a nice big crash as Sonic and the crowd cheers for the easy, quick victory. And of course, a little scene, uh, Razor has lost all of his winnings to Pearly this time, Arguably, though, that's an L on his part for betting against Knuckles. You should have known better, man. Unlike Sonic, he doesn't chuckle. Mm -mm. But on the death egg, Eggman has been watching the fight to pirated pay-per-view signals. Of course. Hey, my man knows the tech. <laughs> He's in that shit. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Looks like we're going to have to do this my way. Uh, Metal, ETA? Oh, one hour. Okay. So who's left of the hooligans? He calls Bean. All right, buddy. Plan B goes now. And then Qbot says, you know, I, I do find that duck pretty funny. Orbot says he finds him tiresome. L take, person. That's an L take. Wow, honestly. wow. L, 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 L. You, we do not speak poorly of that man in this house. Mm -mm. So Eggman just says, you know, just because Breezy rode my coattails doesn't mean she's in my league. Guess I'm going to have to teach you one last lesson. And now, the final match. We knew it was coming Sonic versus Knuckles. Ready to fight. Knuckles says, come on, man, you got to put on a good show, right? How many times have I kicked your butt? Three, four. But Knuckles is like, oh, wow, I must have beaten you so bad. You must have gone senseless. You're delusional, boy. But the rafters. Knack is in position to sniper fire. <laughs> <laughs> man, a man's got the gat ready. He's like, all right, boys, laugh it up. Laugh it up. <laughs> as just uh. as Sonic and Knuckles rush into Clash, that's the end of 270. Are you guys, are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Oh, I mean, we've got one more issue. So before we uh, really finish it off, I think we just got to keep the momentum going. Sonic 271. Flynn is the writer and both Jampol and Skelly did the art. Wonderful. Final round. Sonic and Knuckles clash in the ring. Knuckles uppercuts Sonic, asking if this brings back memories and... That brings a little quick flashback to when they first met on Angel Island, him knocking the emeralds out of Super Sonic. Can we just talk about that scene for a real quick second? Do you know how cool that was that Knuckles is just this like ever-present threat? And he just shows up from nowhere and basically is like, yo, what's good? I have your emeralds now. Bye. Sick. 
and then Sonic thinks, you know, you kicking my butt for the emeralds never gets old. Remember when they fought over two Chaos Emeralds during the events of Sonic Adventure? Okay, another another cool cut. And you mean trying to kick my butt, buddy? Just like you're trying to win this championship. Another really interesting scene is when they remember the events of Sonic Battle. Sonic and Emerald fighting Knuckles for the Chaos Emerald he had. Interesting. That's a really interesting shout out. Okay, okay, okay. Sonic's kick and Knuckles punches clash as Sonic wonders, hey, wait, how exactly did Breezy get an emerald in the first place? Can you take the fight seriously? What the fuck, man? (laughs) Well, (laughs) so weeks ago, Coconut Scratch and Grounder scramble to Breezy's office as they all burst in as Breezy is looking over some paperwork, all talking about how they found a Chaos Emerald. Scratch presenting it and saying, I was overseeing repairs done by that world-shattering quake when I found this. Coconut butts in and says, you mean the repairs done by the Badniks I commissioned and organized? Nobody would have found anything without my direction. Grounder butt in and saying, and then I saw it and brought it here. I did good too. As uh, Scratch says uh, his iconic, you know. uh, Good times. Good times, good times, good times. So now the question is, what do we do with it? Well, the boys all have different ideas. Scratch wants to sell it to the highest bidder. Coconut says we can turn your media empire into a literal one. Grouter says to to make it into a snow globe. (laughs) Uh, Then Breezy actually goes, you know what? How about all of the above? Pull in a fortune, increase my follower count, and shake things up and make a spectacle of it all. Oh, I know exactly what to do with this. Then back in the ring, Sonic even wonders, Knuckles, what are you even doing out here all the way from Angel Island? And he says, the Master Emerald got shattered again. I've been hunting the pieces. Shadow was there hunting some alien thing. I'll just tell you later, okay? So does that mean Angel Island is floating like the rest of the planet? And Sonic actually offers to throw the fight just so he can get back to hunting. But Knuckles, our boy Knuckles, no. Right now, you're going to give me a real fight. Oh, you want to blow off some steam? Okay, I'm game. Now we have a two-page spread. Sonic and Knuckles on even ground in their fight. And everyone is seen surrounding watching their fight. Tails and Amy are in the stand super into it. Honey's loving it. Chip, our boy Chip's drowning in popcorn. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's got all them snacks on him. Ayo, my man knows the tech. Sally is fucking screaming. Antoine's got his knuckles flag in his head because, of course, he does the sly fucker. Rouge clearly having a good time. Vector is clearly nervous about the outcome of a bet he made. And also another character we have not seen before. We'll get into her a little bit more, but she's the Meropian princess watching in the stands, having a good old time. And of course, Eggman's ready to put his plan into motion. Meanwhile, at the casino's power grid, Bean is chewing an astonishing amount of gum, saying that Knack puts the silent guy on watch duty and I'm the crazy one, as he blows a big old bubble and coats it in the bomb. So Knack is in position. His sniper reticle is over Sonic and Knuckles, switches infrared. All right, detonate on my mark. Three, two, one, Mark. Bean responds, Twain. And then the bombs <laughs> go off. Okay, that was a good one. That's a good that one. That was a good one. The bombs go off and the lights go out. Now, in the confusion, Nax sees that one centimeter closer. I can take them out both with one just one shot. Just as he's about to pull the trigger, a metal Sonic breaks through the ceiling, flies through Nack in between Sonic and Knuckles, and continues to the vault storing the Chaos Emerald. 
He's detecting all security offline, no guards, even the vault door is unlocked. What the fuck is this? And then he goes in, breaks the case containing the emerald, and just as he's about to make his escape, Sonic smashes into him, denying his escape. Sonic chases after Metal as Knuckles is unpathed to punch him, dodges. Amy swings at him, dodge. Espio throws a shuriken, dodge. Honey goes in for an air kick, dodge. Metal tries to escape the way he came in, up and out from Sonic's reach, breaking through the hole. But then on the other side, our boy, our boy Tails, swiping him with his tails, knocks the emerald out of his hand. Emerald secured. And if my guesses are right, power comes back on now. The emergency generator kicks in. Breezy's defenses are on. Air guns pointed at Metal Sonic. Now Sonic rushes in. All right, Metal, what do you want to do here? You want to stay, go six on one with all of us while also dealing with Breezy's security? Or you want to go home? Eggman calls in. Okay, this op was a disaster, but I have intel on another emerald. Fall back, Metal Sonic. And he ignores him at first. Do you hear me? I said fall back. Metal begrudgingly listens, flies away. I do like that Metal Sonic is just insistent on staying because of the blood grudge, you know? It's, it's, oh, it's, I, I, I like the idea that, that Metal, despite being a pawn of Eggman, is also, like, has a form of free will. I do like that aspect of it. Oh, yes, that makes for very interesting stuff. But by pushing away Metal Sonic and getting the Emerald back, the winner of the Chaos Emerald Tournament, our man, Miles the Twin Tail Genius Prower. He got his redemption. Wow. Happy for my boy. Happy for him. Look at his glove. He's so beautiful. And so we cut to Breezy and Honey having a brief discussion in the office as Honey has now just signed an exclusive contract to allow the outfits of the casino to be staffed by her. Yeah, she's never designed anything for robots, so this is going to be pretty fun. And Breezy says she was impressed by Honey, you know, putting your reputation and your neck on the line. I relish that in a partner. But then Honey wants to talk to Breezy about something, you know, off the record, you know, businesswoman to businesswoman, partner to partner. It's no secret Eggman wanted that emerald. Three random mercs connected to Eggman joined the bracket overnight. And then when they're bumped, Metal Sonic shows up out of nowhere. Your security nowhere to be found. The hooligans blew up the power grid and got away scot-free. And not a single badnik shot at Metal while he escaped. The Freedom Fighters came really close to losing what they needed to save the world. Breezy's response? The hooligans are expert provocateurs, and Metal Sonic is a fine example of robotic perfection. It's disappointing, but not surprising my security wasn't enough. And one way or the other, I was losing the Chaos Emerald. But with six heroes desperately trying to stop a last-minute assault by a deadly super robot, well, I got the attention of the entire world. This entire tournament was most lucrative, my dear. Shattered or whole, I'm now worth half this planet. Oh. Honey's response is one that can only be described as, uh, nervous. That's quite the shrewd mindset you've got there. Take it to heart. You took out Tails in short order to advance. I know you'll see the wisdom of my words soon enough. Ha ha, we'll see about that. Now if you excuse me, I've got orders to fill. Ta-ta! I look forward to working with you. As Honey walks outside. And the look on her face is nothing short of, what have I done? I, it's as if Honey just kind of like signed a death contract almost. Yeah, the, uh, I think 
something that I do like about like Breezy is that her brand of villainy is very like it's very quiet. It's very subtle. It's less evil CEO and more conniving girl boss. And folks, don't we all have one in our lives? You know what we're talking about. You know what we're talking about. No, but but seriously, memes aside, uh, that was a really good conversation. And I really like that Breezy's true motive and the five steps ahead mentality that she sort of displays is very much uh, uh, front and center. Now, we then move outside. Sonic, Tails, and Amy ready to go with Sonic Speedstar. And they're actually persuading Knuckles to come along with them. We can help you out with the Sky Patrol and all that. Knuckles says, look, I I don't know if I can, but at the very least, I got some things to drop off for you, okay? We now see Chip flying in. He's dragging in a bag of souvenirs. Sonic, this is Chip. He's the light Gaia, the spirit to help save the world. And Chip is very eager to see Sonic. Wow, you're a lot stronger than Knuckles said you were. Sonic just gives a quick turn with the for real look, and Knuckles is just like... they're off the speed star is in its plane form now everything is going well we're four for seven on the emeralds amy can use the mystic melody to hunt for gaia temples so chip feels like his mission feels less impossible what could go wrong now uh night falls sonic transforms to his werehog form to the shock of knuckles and chip so i kind of have a little uh condition boys Uh, it's 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 a great shot meanwhile aboard the sky patrol sally takes a call from someone asking for sonic's help says his name is gregoire he has vital secret information key to restoring the world this is the same individual who was being threatened by metal sonic for the record that is the end of sonic the hedgehog issue 271 my fucking god what an arc what an arc. Funny, intriguing, well-made, and most of all, more than anything, it's well-executed. Yes. Great moments of character development, a good narrative that uses the games as a basis. I, I mean, what what more do you want us to say? I, I feel was, like, God, it, it, this, it might be, this is probably one of the best arcs in all of Archie. I'm, I'm saying it right now. This is probably the best arc in Archie. I, I'm calling it right here. It's, it's pretty fucking incredible. Of course, we gotta, we keep the ball rolling. We'll, we'll put a pin in that on what's going to be going on soon thereafter. We'll, we'll get to that. But right now, uh, we're going to be moving on to our next little story. Our next Sonic origin story focusing on Nicole this time around folks remember how in the old canon uh nicole is from the future actually she was sent back in time to assist sally in life if you think of it like that and the the sentiment is still there but let's let's see flynn and wells are the creative team team rose are training in the simulator needing to destroy some kind of roboticizer for the animals turning them into badniks it it looks like um one of the levels from uh i think it's uh sonic spinball yeah right? which is which is in theme with the with, with the theme of the training simulation which is cute yes but amy thinks like hey nicole why did you make this training so intense but nicole says look if i went easy on you i'm gonna like not hear the end of it okay but she does figure she is pushing them a little hard but i do it because i know they can handle it but that trust is there because it took time to build it and it even took time for nicole to develop into what she is today 
Once, she was just an AI in a handheld computer, limited by form. It was kind of hard to experience the world with the rest of the Freedom Fighters. We see Sonic and Tails watching the sunset with her handheld next to her. She's unable to share in their wonder, like when Sally got her energy blades. She couldn't laugh with them. How Rotor and Tails were killing time in the workshop. Rotor is doing his best Eggman impression. Uh, Tails is dying on the floor laughing. Can he roll the R? Can Rotor roll the Robotnik? Promotion. Pingus. She also couldn't share in their tears as Nicole had to be the one to give the news to Antoine that his parents passed away in service to the king and Bunny had to comfort him. They inspired her in ways to get out and experience life. She's seen playing guitar with Sonic, helping Tails build Teapup. She's cooking with Antoine, playing chess with Sally, working with Bunny, and brings a cover to Rotor as he's collapsed on his desk after a long night of work. But in the present, Team Rose destroys the roboticizer. Sonic and the Freedom Fighters catch up to them. They got their thing covered. Now the Eggman's facility scenario has been completed. Sonic says, yeah, of course we did it. We're the Freedom Fighters. We're awesome, aren't we? Nicole says, yeah, you guys really are. You are my inspirations, my friends. Cute, adorable. I like that. A uh, cute little, cute little uh, color story to to begin that. Yeah, I don't, I don't have much to say other than, uh, you know, it's a cute little introduction. But I am sort of left wondering about that, that thread, that 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 little hanging thread at the uh, start of the reboot continuity, uh, where uh, Nagus and Nicole were having a little discussion. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's going to be addressed. Well, that's interesting to bring it up because another thing that I wanted to mention is that these origins do go a little bit into detail about uh, the new origins of each of these characters. And we don't really get to see that with Nicole. We didn't see how she was made, most importantly. Yeah, you're right. For 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 a color story, it doesn't really feel like a color story. Yeah, it felt fluff. I mean, it was good fluff. It's good to see how Nicole uh, felt about wanting to be more than just what she was. That's that's important. That was a core aspect of her storyline in the previous canon. Good to see it was retained, but how was she made, folks? Well, lucky us, that's covered in this next Sonic Universe arc. Wow, I can't believe it. We're just going straight into a universe arc about Nicole, of all people. You know, it's interesting that we've had Nicole around for so long. She's had character development in arcs. But it never felt like she got something centered specifically around her. Well, sort of. She did with the um, pre-reboot canon. But that more felt like a side effect, right? It more felt like it was a, a cause and effect thing where she is not the main protagonist. She is just being forced into these things, right? And being given this perception. But Nicole having her own leading arc is a very interesting direction to go. So I'm looking forward to exploring it and having a discussion about it. Welcome back to the Archie Sonic Digest. Took a little little breather. Now we're back to continue on with Nicole's origin story, her full origin story in Sonic Universe issue 71. So this is interesting. So Ian Flynn wrote the plot outline, I guess you can say, but Ali Baker wrote the script properly, and Tracy Yardley, of course, is doing the art. Absolutely. So I guess the order in which we did things is a little, like, out of sync, because I think this is supposed to take place before the champions arc because tails plays a role in it as well so that's a little interesting yeah a little 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 weird there but uh we wanted to open with the uh, champions arc because we felt that it was uh, quite the uh quite the spectacle as you heard from our, our discussion we begin sally tails rotor and big and big our man 
Ah, oh, he's up there. He's, he's up. They're all up there fighting on top of the uh, sky deck. Yeah, they're in the air fighting off dark Gaia creatures only minutes till sunrise. So they just got to hold out. But at the last second, Tails gets swarmed by monsters. So Sally takes the initiative, jumps down off the deck, slices at them with her energy blade. And now that Tails is free, catches her as she was going to fall otherwise. And then the sun rises, monsters dissipate. Sally thinks that that was a real long two minutes. So everyone comes back to the bridge. Cream awake early and puts muffins out for everybody. T-Pup and the Sky Patrol will be needing some repairs after this. But, you know, hey, nothing like getting up before the sun does, right? So... Cream decides to, to invigorate everyone, uh, goes to make coffee for them. She goes off as Sally asks, like, what, she can do that now? Uh, apparently, Rotor says. With the coffee machine you built? It's not that complicated. <laughs> Little scene of Cream showing it is, in fact, very complicated. There's a lot of unnecessary bells and switches on that thing. Uh, what the fuck, man? I don't know what the fuck, like, why is he trying to make coffee the most complicated shit ever? Like, I, I don't get this. It's, it's a little jank, man. They hear a crashing sound, and then Cream screaming. So Rotor leaps up to go check on her, as, uh, Sally pulls a little Sonic, says, I guess Cream and coffee don't mix, but I'm Tish. Wow. Wow. I, I can't believe I had to hear that one from Sally. Come on. Uh, even Nicole's just like, don't tell me you're actually proud of that joke. Oh, shut up, I'm tired, let me live. But the thing is, is that Nicole starts to go off on Sally saying, what you did back there was really reckless. You know, the sun was going to come up anyway, but Sally just says it didn't feel right to just sit back and do nothing. Nicole, though, feels like she understands for what it's worth, but... And then out of nowhere, she screams, and then her voice fades out, and the last thing that they hear is the name Dr. Elodie. Everyone's a little little weirded out by that. Nicole's handheld also seems unresponsive. It's, it's as if her AI is just gone. Rotor thinks that they haven't heard the name Dr. Elodie in quite a while, and Tails is looking through the Sky Patrol systems, can't find her in there either. However, there are faint traces of her in the digital world, so she might be in there. So Sally's like, okay, maybe something happened to Dr. Elodie, and Rotor thinks if anything, Nicole can just jump back into the Sky Patrol. But if he's in danger, let's go to his home on Isolated Island and check on him. So we're dropping a lot of stuff on here, right? It's very interesting to introduce stuff in this way. Yeah, this feels like a bit of a, uh, what moment? Speaking of, of what moments, uh, we cut to Nicole out in the, what seems to be digital landscape uh, as she begins to traverse it. Rotor explaining that the digital world is more like an artificial reality. It doesn't exist in the real world, but you can technically access it from a computer and it isn't actually housed anywhere. It's cyberspace, essentially. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a constructed imaginary, uh, internet land. How topical. Yeah, I, I know. It's <laughs> almost like there's a there's a multi-billion dollar company uh, with a lizard man as its uh, creator uh, trying to force this on us. Hmm. Well, I'm sure that doesn't mean anything to anybody. Oh, it's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Rotor also explains that even though it's not really housed anywhere, it's like it exists as a cloud space and just overlaps other systems. Maybe it even predates computing as we know it. Unfortunately, what we know is more theory than fact, but all we know for sure is... If Dr. Elodie's in trouble, Nicole may be the only person who can help him. So, as Nicole was moving her way through the digital world, she crosses through a digital forest, and on the other side, finds Elodie being attacked by little viruses. So she creates a sword from data, swipes him away, and when she reaches out to him, he's really shocked that this is what Nicole is. 
It's been a really long time, he says. Then in the physical world, Sally, Tails, and Big, our man is joining us on this adventure. Thank you, God. They are flying to Isolated Island. Sally mentions how the last time they saw Dr. Elodie was when she was little. Then Big kind of asks if Elodie is Nicole's dad. Uh, which she says, kind of, sure. He created Nicole. And Tails also says that he created the Grand Archive, which is the kingdom's public library. And, uh, I sure totally have not spent hours in there reading a bunch of stuff. No, I don't do that. I swear. Oh, okay. (laughs) What a dweeb. Yeah, I know. Come on, man. Back in the day, Sally says, Elodie was the leader in research and development for computer technology, and when he retired, he studied the power rings, and he was the one that actually made Sally's energy blades. It was a jump, she says, and a lot of things sure have changed since then. We decide instead to cut back to the past, where we get a glimpse into that relationship. Ending, unfortunately. Elodie says his farewell to King Acorn. As Sally pokes in, trying to listen in on the conversation, as Elodie offers Sally a parting gift. A powerhouse computer. It houses an advanced AI, a very smart program, that connects directly to the Grand Archive. With this, you'll have a wealth of knowledge at your fingertips. And this is what would become the known as Nicole. But it didn't actually have a name at first. Uh, Elodie never gave it a name. It's just state-of-the-art software. But Elodie wants to try and help her in that regard, saying, you know, oh, well, she sa- uh, she sounds like a girl, so what should I call her? Uh, so Sally and Elodie says, well, uh, how about, ni- oh, no, how about Nicole, after a long past queen of our line? Sally likes the name, and Nicole accepts it. And on that note, Elodie is off, saying goodbye to the king and the princess, take care of each other. And today in the digital world, Nicole helps Elodie up and says that he was in the digital world because he was able to digitize his consciousness. He wanted to solve an issue in here directly, but then he detected this distortion and... Yeah, okay, look, I admit it. I wandered, but look, I knew the way back, then this blockade formed, and then I was attacked by the viruses. So, Nicole offers to help him get back home. Who knows how long he's been away from his body. He might be dehydrated. So as they walk... Elodie sees Nicole's form and wonders, did someone else make this avatar for you? But she says, no, I made it myself. He just says, oh, I, uh, I see. So they reach the firewall blocking access to Elodie's computer and Nicole opens it up and then they gun it while also being chased by the viruses attacking Elodie earlier to, uh, they don't know that they're being chased. But in the physical world, the team lands on the island, Elodie's home is across the way, and they get a move on. Tails also says that apparently there's a lake of rings here, which is why Elodie researched them in the beginning. So when Sally mentions that when he sent over the energy blades to him, that was the first they've heard of him in years. Tails also says that it's a lonely place, this is. And even Big says at the end of the day, I, you know, have Froggy with me in the Mystic Ruins. Very astute point by our man. Uh, It's true. Uh, Even when you're out in the wilderness, you just need a brother to hang out with you and uh, spend your days just vibing. Fishing, living. As they're walking, though, out of nowhere, a motobug drives in between them, and they're freaking out that there's a badnik here, and they're ready to fight it, but it actually responds kindly to them. It says, hello, are you in need of assistance? If so, please follow me. They're admittedly a little creeped out by this, but when Tails asks it to take it to Elodie, 
It says to follow it, so they give it chase. They arrive to his house that is surrounded by a lot of modified badniks, which is uh, a little creepy, they think. It's a little, little not normal. But they go into his house, and Elodie's nowhere to be found. But Sally ends up going to his lab, finding his body on a table, surrounded by little rings of energy, and suddenly jolts up, gasping for air. And then, at the same time, Nicole comes onto his computer, saying Elodie was trapped for several hours in the digital world. We just got out. So Sally tells Big, get him some water. And Elodie thanks them all for coming, even Nicole. And then Tails says, well, why don't you, why don't you thank her in person? Slaps a power ring on her handheld, and then she creates her form. Says that she's learned some tricks since she was created. Now, some hours passed. Tails and Big are fishing at the lake near the house. They're just having... Having a good old time, I think. It's a, it's a cute little moment. Sally brings Elodie a bowl of broth to drink, gets his strength back up, and added some herbs from the garden, which uh, Elodie finds to be very bracing. The badniks here were from a failed Eggman operation, so he decided to modify them to help with chores around the island, and to monitor the place too, and... As of late, they'd actually been pretty good guards against the night creatures. Elodie says that a while ago, Chuck called asking him for advice, but this whole shattered world thing... Not my field of expertise. But when some of my badniks went out to collect data, he saw that the ocean just stops. And then a clouded abyss at the bottom. Sally says, look, it's it, it's kind of a long story. Uh, it's basically like magic, though. Though uh, Nicole's not really happy with that answer, even though that is kind of accurate. He just figures Dr. Ellie does it's kind of best to just, like, go to bed. Despite the fact that Nicole has something that she really needs to talk with him about. But nope, wait till morning, good night. Even though she accepts that, she asks Sally, Do you think me being here is causing Elodie some kind of distress? She says, I'm pretty sure it's not you. Just he hasn't had guests for a while, so maybe he'll just be a bit distant in general, you know? Don't take it personally. But Nicole also adds that when they were in the digital world, Elodie was attacked by something. And I think whatever it was may have followed him. The last scene we see in the digital space, a large virus, seen wearing a kitsune mask, sees Nicole, calls her very interesting, a digital being projecting a physical form. How very fascinating. There is a ghost in the machine, and that is it for issue 71. Um, there's a lot of setup in this issue, which is not something I usually make a comment on when it comes to these comics, but... This issue especially felt very heavy-handed with that. Yeah, it was very much like uh, some lore dumps and plot is like clearly being set up here. Which, you know, I don't mind as I do think the payoff is worth it, but it reminds me of the earlier era of the comic. Obviously a lot more um, consist- consistent and coherent, but it, it does remind me of the the... The before times, in a way. And speaking of which, actually, uh, Dr. Elodie in question is supposed to be the new canon's version of Nate Morgan. Oh, really? Yes, so it's a little bit, uh, you'll see more of it as we go on, but, like, it is supposed to be, like, a couple things stacked on top of each other with this character, and Nate Morgan's kind of one of the things that's thrown in there. Mainly just due to the fact of how he researches the power rings. Very interesting. I definitely like that decision in a lot of ways. I think it's a cool call. It's also interesting that an Overlander was just outright changed into a uh, a Mobian. 
Uh, obviously, it's probably more from Sega to, to keep it that way, but interesting decision nonetheless. Yes. So let's continue the story on Sonic Universe 72. Again, Ian Flynn wrote the plot. Ali Baker wrote the script proper. Tracy Yardley does the art. Dr. Elodie is giving the group a tour, showing him his latest discovery, the Red Star Ring. <laughs> yeah, so uh, the fact that these were never introduced into the comic is a little surprising at this point. But, uh, hey, better late than never, I guess. Yeah, and it's just kind of like out of nowhere, too. This is like the second page where it's just like, yep, this exists now. Oh, well, more game concepts. Uh, At least the uh, explanation of it somewhat makes sense. Elodie explaining that its properties are nearly identical to that of regular rings, though the potential energy output may be much higher. Tails asking if it came from the lake of rings on the island. Elodie explaining that while the lake usually produces a magic ring on a daily basis, over a week ago it went dormant and I thought it had dried up, so to speak. At that same scene, uh, Big is in the background. He's opening up a server room thinking that it was a fridge. He says the cold air keeps the computers warm. Oh, I, I didn't know computers could go bad. Oh, uh, look at oh, that. Ah, okay. oh, big. Oh, big. Come on, buddy. It's all right. Don't worry about it. We won't we won't fault you for that one. You, you don't deal with computers much. Well, anyway, Elodie doesn't know how the red star ring formed instead of the usual rings. Maybe it could be the dark Gaia energy, but I haven't looked at everything yet. I just want to also say, and I know I'm going back on this, maybe Elodie is running a Bitcoin farm. <laughs> he's, he's, got a, he's got a server room. It's filled with with liquid like 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 computers in a in a in a fridge, bro. It's a Bitcoin farm. <laughs> uh, well, you know they do run on clean energy, so maybe it's like a little okay, I guess. Elodie buys an NFT. <laughs> All right, then, okay, we got we got. I I, I I I I don't know, man. I I'm just firing these out. I it, I I saw the I saw the joke being made here, and I'm like, okay, but like, what if? <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever seen that, like, one 4chan screenshot of Biz of, like, Nervous Pepe? Bro, we really just bought ones and zeros generated by a graphics card. Ayo? <laughs> uh, <laughs> they spent real money on that. Uh, anyway, Elodie says, I don't know why the Red Star Ring was formed. Could be the Dark Gaia energy. Hasn't seen everything yet. I do want to find a way to synthesize them. Or maybe at least recreate the conditions for its creation. But Sally thinks that these things could be great for Nicole. She can already project her physical form with a ring. With a red star ring. Ooh, who knows what could happen? Who knows indeed? That's a really interesting question. Yeah, you know, what if? It's a fun what if. Tails uh, even looks at another thing Elodie made. A sling ring. Says, wow, it's pretty cool you came up with all these uses for rings. It's uh, kind of a shame you didn't keep working for Sally's dad. And he says, oh, well, you know... No point in dwelling on what could have been. Elodie says that ever since that these red star rings appeared, he had some badniks keep an eye on the Lake of Rings, but the feed that he had was cut off starting from yesterday. Sally suggests that the badnik could have been destroyed by Dark Gaia, but Elodie's systems show it's still online. So Tails suggests it's a hardware issue. I'll go check it out for you. But Nicole stops everyone and has something else to say. Dr. Elodie, I have good reason to believe that something may be attacking your system directly. Considering you were attacked in the digital world yourself, you know. 
He insists his systems are ironclad, but I guess you would know better. Alright, change of plans. Tails and Nicole will stay to look at the systems. Sally and Big will go look at the Laker ring. And she's asked, I suppose you don't have a vehicle. <laughs> Come on, I'm not that much of a recluse. So the two take off in what can only be described as one of the most interesting interactions in this comic. Now, now these are two characters we never get to see together. And here they are, just alone. So, uh... Big, as they drive, uh, says, Princess Sally, stuff keeps flying into my mouth. Is your mouth open? Yep. Try closing it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Big. That's our oh, guy. Love That's him. our guy. Love him. Sally asks what Big thinks of Nicole, and he responds that, Big responds that he likes her. She's nice. And uh, Sally also asks, you don't think it's weird that she's not organic like us? Uh, nope. As long as they're nice, I don't care what anyone is. Wow. Wow. Look at that. Listen, folks, I caught. It's, it's literally that simple, folks. It's literally that simple. We could all learn something from Big. A, a great interaction right here. Sally's heart is genuinely touched by this. The two drive off. We then cut to the past where uh, Sally is uh, being taught by Rosie and says that she doesn't need lessons anymore because uh, Nicole will help whatever she needs with. Yeah, so Rosie decides, like, all right, I'll fucking play your little game. Queen Sally, our kingdom is under attack. 400 troops are storming both the eastern and western ports of Westside Island. 500 soldiers at your command. What do you do? So Sally just asked Nicole, what do I do? How do I split up our soldiers? Nicole says, no, don't do that. Focus all forces on one port to guarantee success on reclaiming it. Sally doesn't have the heart to abandon anybody. But Nicole says data is insufficient. Then Rosie asks Sally again, what are we going to do? Then Sally kind of slumps in her seat, says, I don't know. And then she apologizes. I guess I do have a lot to learn and I should probably be more self-reliant too. But uh, maybe Nicole could at least be my royal advisor? Rosie decides to bring her in. You know, that role is usually for living beings. But listen... I'm sorry for putting you on the spot. You're too young to worry about tactical warfare. The present, though. Nicole locks her handheld into Elodie's computer. They're back in the digital world. She says the firewall is still intact, but that doesn't mean something didn't slip in undetected. And she sees all badniks are online, but they're not necessarily responsive. Filing that under frustrating. What could this have been, Nicole thinks, as... Out of the corner of her eye, she sees like a black little thing come toward her. She jolts around, doesn't see anything. Tails asks, did you find a virus? I don't know. Something is in here, though. Tails, partition the system so we can isolate it, and she will look for it directly. Now, another little interesting scene here. Uh, Tails and Elodie go into the server room. They're doing the thing, and Elodie tells Tails about their reaction to Nicole's growth seems impressive. Tails says, yeah, Nicole is a great piece of programming. I couldn't dream of building something like her. And then Elodie says Nicole was made from unique circumstances. But then she talks from her handheld, saying, you don't need to speak as if I'm not here. Elodie then says, well, Nicole, do you remember when you were first activated? And she says, yeah, I do, but I don't really view it the same way as I do now. Then we get a flashback. Elodie is in the computer lab. He's coding Nicole. And then she responds, and he asks, are, are you really? This unit has no set designation. Of course not. And he just slumps back in his chair. Something's going on here. Something very interesting. 
Yep. Tails questions Elodie as he seems lost in his own mind, asking if he feels worn out, as Elodie says, you know, he's a little bit, but uh, wants to keep working. Elodie then asks if there was a kind of catalyst or event that changed her outlook, but Nicole responds that she doesn't believe so. Her connections to those memories are not as consistent. Her perspective existed in a different context. Many of the events that I can recognize only make me regret how limited I once was. We then cut to Knothole Village. A actual, like, look at Knothole uh, in this universe. Sally, post-Eggman invasion, uh, sits on a bed, lamenting the fact that Rotor and Antoine are so far from home. Bunny's going through so much. They're all trying so hard to stay so strong, and I have to be brave for them. A princess should keep everyone else inspired, right? So I can't let them see me be weak, even though, even though I miss my father so much. And in the same scene, Nicole is on the bedside, but she does not respond. And Sally says, Nicole, I know you're not capable of caring, but thanks for being here anyway. So that's, that's a little interesting scene and also interesting phrasing. I know you're not capable of caring interesting the way i see it this flashback is supposed to be nicole's perspective so when i read this and the camera like kind of zooms in on nicole's handheld there's like a sense of like dread i think is the best way i can put it that i got from it maybe not maybe dread's too strong of a word but definitely like there's some form of regret in there hmm hmm yeah i i have a feeling that that we are about to get some uh, dark Kino uh, coming up very soon. Uh, you know, just a just a thought. <laughs> just a thought. Just a thought. In the present, Sally and Biggle arrive to the Lake of Rings. They see the Badnik here is offline, and Sally sees there's some kind of energy spike here, leading Big to notice there's a flash of red light under the water, which is another red star ring. So Big fishes it out. Just as they're about to head back, the Badnik comes online and starts attacking them. Sally's got her blades ready, but Big brings her in, does like a sick kick, and takes it out in one hit. They're cool. That's all. That, that was pretty cool, though. No, it, 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 was, it was actually, like, nice because, like, the way in which Big reacts is almost instantaneous. And the way that he, like, covers Sally is, like, a... He uses his body and and looms over her to make sure that, you know, she doesn't take any damage, which is, like, very, very, very beautiful. Yeah, they're all good, but Sally now says, okay, this is kind of creepy. This is beyond creepy. Whatever's in Ellie's systems is definitely aggressive, and it's trying to take the red star rings. Sally, though, says that there is an energy signature in the lake, but sun's about to set. We really should get going. And, uh, Big is, it's Big's turn to drive back this time, and he's very happy to get a chance. Yeah, my man Big rolling. He's rolling. He's, he's slouching. He's a low rider. What a, what a, I, my guy knows how to, how to whip. <laughs> <laughs> so eventually they get back, and they give Elodie the second star ring, telling him how a badnik went berserk on them. Tail says that's not reassuring and we're not close to solving our problem either. But then he yawns and they all realize it has been a long day. I think we just turn in for the night. Nicole, keep watch. Obviously, since Elodie uh, does not have anyone to call a friend, he just says, I'm sorry, I don't have a guest room, but uh, the couches are very comfortable. 
So he lets them direct them themselves there, and Sally steps outside to call the Sky Patrol, give Rotor updates. Elodie's fine, but seems a little uneasy around Nicole. We might be dealing with a hacker. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I know, TV gets hacking wrong, but... Oh, others are calling. Okay, man, I'll see you tomorrow. And he hangs up. But then, Sally sees out of the corner of her eye a little makeshift hut and walks toward it to see what it is. And she recognizes what's inside as Elodie comes up to her and says, I expected your father to teach you better than to snoop around. And that side is left unseen as the comic ends. Another solid issue. Uh, still a lot of setup, but it seems like we are about to get the payoff. And oh boy. <laughs> Even within all that setup, a lot of great character moments. Yeah, little things. I, I definitely am a fan of um, Sally and Big getting some one-on-one -on -one time. I like uh, some of the stuff with Elodie and the backstory regarding him, especially some of the Sally-centric stuff. Nicole, too. There's little bits there that I like about her. Uh, but I think it's time we kind of figure out what's going on here because uh, we're about to get some we're about to get some shit dropped on us. <laughs> <laughs> Sonic uh, Universe issue seventy-three. Ian Flynn wrote the plot. Ali Baker wrote the script. Yardley does the art. Our opening shot is one that can only be described as a bit mortifying. We get a glimpse into what we did not see before. It's a shrine of some kind with a woman, some candles. Sally asking, what is going on here? She reminds me of Nicole as Elodie cuts her off. Don't you say that. Don't. Sally says, what's your problem with Nicole anyway? You created her. Elodie glares and says... The photo is of my daughter, Nikki. She passed away several years ago. Nicole was supposed to save her life. Oh. Oh. D did you expect this kind of twist, guys? Suffice it to say, what we are about to experience is the most dark the reboot gets. This is some heavy shit. But, but before we get to that, we have to talk about existential cyber horrors. My... My my favorite. I I love Blade Runner. Uh, I love <laughs> I love Ghost in the Shell. <laughs> we then move to the digital world. Nicole is met by this large virus, and it calls her fascinating. You know, when someone dies, the secrets they have are taken with them, but not with data. Data lives on. What kind of secrets do you think Doctor Elodie will take with him? Nicole has no idea what this is. Who are you? My name is Phage. I'm kind of an AI as well. And as for what I'm doing here, I'm here to learn and to grow. You're unusual. You created a body to interact with the physical world. Why? It, curiosity, I suppose. I guess you'll tell me that that's foolish, illogical. No, you're unusual, different, and fascinating. So you're the one interfering with this system? Yes. And attack Dr. Elodie? Yes. And use the badnik to attack my friends? Yes. Okay. That's all I needed to know. And then quarantines Phage in the system, but uh, they're able to break out. No problem. Phage responds, approaching Nicole. Well, that was cute. Amusing. Mildly entertaining. I'm here with certain objectives, Nicole. I infiltrated the system before you even knew it was happening. You can't stop me. And while I do find you fascinating, talk is slow, she says as she proceeds to attack Nicole. We then move to the past again on Mobotropolis West Side Island. Elodie is working at his computer and Chuck enters. 
the response he gives is uh, nothing short of dismissive, saying, what, I'm busy. When's the last time you ate, Chuck asks, and he says, uh... Then Elodie shows he made a program to map out neural pathways for the digitizer. This is just to create a baseline. So then Chuck says, well, hey, you know, why don't you just, you know, relax a little bit, take a break. You know, let that program work things out, and then he cuts him off asking, any sudden breakthroughs with the roboticizer? No. Then this is all I've got left. In the present, we return to the conversation between Sally and Elodie. Let me get this straight. Nikki is your daughter. Nicole is not Nikki. I already told you. Nikki's dead. She was wasting away. I'd hope she could live on in some form via the digitizer, but the artificial intelligence program that was mapping her neural scans, that became Nicole? Look, I'm sorry it's for your loss, but it's not fair to blame Nicole for your daughter's death. As he lashes out and says, I did it! That's why I gave Nicole to you instead of just deleting it all! But now, seeing her like this, walking around while my poor Nikki never got the chance to... to... Okay, you may have not met for all this, but Nicole's here now! You must know that you're hurting her feelings by ignoring- Hurting her? Does she actually know what hurt is? Do you? How dare you when I lost my father? You got your father back! Holy. Holy. Whoa. Uh, whoa. 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 Hold, hold it. <laughs> oh my god. Um, the Sally, Sally and Elodie lock eyes angrily as the uh mist around them swirls sally saying who do you think you are you you can't why are we even and then she realizes it it's dark gaia the stuff leaving from the planet's core is affecting our minds get back inside okay i feel like we should talk about this yes this is obviously influenced by dark gaia and the intent is to make it like oh well it's influenced by dark gaia so they wouldn't normally have this conversation no i and and i think that's kind of the it's it's their cop-out right it's their cop-out so they can get away with this conversation and, and have it be like a thing the intensity here is real and it's exceedingly fucked up <laughs> Guys, put this into perspective, right? Like, here you have a man who basically tried to run away from his problems. The problems that came with him losing his daughter to a a disease that's, like, never explicitly said. I think... I think Ian said this was supposed to be NIDS, actually. But I can't... Don't quote me on that, though. I'm not 100% sure. But suffice to say, we don't know exactly what she succumbed to. And then Dr. Elodie tried to make something to at least, like, retain her consciousness. Didn't work in time. And now he exists as sort of like this broken man who's kind of going through life just kind of waiting for it to end, essentially. And then his past comes back to haunt him finally. And yes, they were under Dark Eye's influence during the conversation, but, like, the emotions he has are real. Everything that's being shown on display is shit that this man has repressed for years. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just being presented in front of him, and this attitude is, is I don't know, I mean, it's, 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 it's trauma. It's deep-rooted trauma. He was so affected by the loss of his daughter that he just isolated himself from everyone and passed off what little he had to, to try and save face as a, as a parting gift. But now that that parting gift became its own person, even if they are an AI, it's like, wow, that's a lot. 
And, you know, we, we have, we've talked a little bit about, like, Sega and restrictiveness with this comic, but this feels very much like they were just like, no, let it rock. Let, let this one go. Because I think it makes Nicole's importance and her as a character much more succinct and real. And that's something that I've, I've never necessarily had a problem with her before, but I think that what they do with this makes her a lot more interesting in, in the reboot canon. I agree with you 100%, and I also want to add, in terms of, like, Sega's control here, really, most of their, uh, focus, I guess we can put it as, most of the focus are on the game characters. That's kind of where most of the restrictions come from. So I guess maybe the team felt like they could be a lot more loose with comic original characters, such as Nicole. I think it worked out for the best at the end, though. Yes, absolutely. Regardless, I think it is important that we take this and we move forward. Yes. So in the moment, Elodie says that it doesn't really matter to get out of there. The robots will take care of the monsters. But uh, nope. They turn around and see they are surrounded and have teamed up with the Dark Gaia creatures. They break formation, run back into the house, and screaming for Tails and Big to wake up as they run into the lab. The door locks behind them. So Sally yells at Nicole, get Elodie's badics back online, but uh, the response comes from Phage. Nicole is unavailable right now. I am here for the Doctor's research, the Red Star Rings, and the Chaos Emerald that's on this island. Then Sally kind of facepalmed and said, oh yeah, no wonder that's what that reading was. Okay, uh, who do you work for? Phage responds, who do you fucking think? displaying the Eggman Empire logo on the screen. That's kind of funny, I think. Yeah, a cute little, cute little, uh, cute little moment. Sally demands that if we give you the red star rings, will you let Nicole go? No, she is mine, responds Phage. Elodie suggests that they shut down the system entirely, but Sally quickly retorts that they'd be destroying Nicole along with Phage. Elodie argues back that it doesn't matter. The thing controls all of his badniks. It's only a matter of time before she takes us out. Then inside... The digital world, Phage comments to Nicole that you make for a real useful hostage, but maybe they won't tell the difference if she was gone, as we see Phage morph into Nicole's form. And then this prompts Nicole to break free of Phage's clutch, which is shown on the computer screen with a quick line of code on one of Elodie's monitors. So Tails is on the other side of the door, banging and screaming to Sally. The Badniks and the Dark Gaia creatures are about to break in, and then she says... Considering the circumstances, I think you and Big need to go get the Chaos Emerald. Get it out of Phage's hands. Then, reluctantly, Tails and Big make their drive out, crashing through monsters and badniks alike. And then Elodie comments, Well, we're out of the frying pan and into the fire now. With Phage here, we're all in danger, you know? And now, we stop again. We have another flashback. Sally is awoken in the middle of the night in the castle. Nicole's handheld is missing, and the door creaked open. So Sally jolts up, goes outside of her room to see what's going on, and finds Nicole's handheld with this person she's never seen before, and says, hey, who are you? She says, well, in a matter of speaking, I am Nicole. I got this form in a rather complicated way, but I it won't last for long. But honestly, I just did this because I really wanted to go see the stars. So then Sally, quick thinking grabs her hand. Let's go see some stars then. So, remind me, is this a remake of a scene from like, oh god, well, I don't remember the exact issue, but the first time we saw Nicole's physical form, right? This is a remake of that scene. Yes, exactly. In fact, that story was called Stargazing, 
and it has this, basically the same plot beats. So this is what I talked about, guys. We can basically assume a lot of the old stuff did happen in the new world. Within reason. <laughs> Which I, 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 I said two two key things in that sentence. Assume... What was the other thing I forgot? I have a chicken brain. L- whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the point is, we can assume that most of the things in the, the new world occurred from the old world's canon. Yes. In the present, we are in the digital world as Nicole runs away, Phage speaking, saying, It's futile, pointless, hopeless. I will control this system. I will absorb your unique coding along with everything else. I don't have a cozy little handheld like you. I am everywhere. I am not contained by any server. I've infected hundreds of systems. All of their information, their resources, their processing power are linked directly to my core. You must know you can't outlast me. Have you pretended to be alive for so long that you've learned to fear death? During all of this, Nicole navigates, eventually making it into what seems to be a restricted part of the digital world in a Elodie's computer. Within that space, she finds three images. A visit to Emerald Coast, a Chow Garden visit, and an Empire City Science Fair. All three of these pictures show Nikki during various stages of her life. Ooh. Uh, Nicole is confused, questioning who, before Phage breaks into the area. Phage breaks in, and then Sally says, Okay, I've had enough. We need to do something. We can't just hand over the red star rings, but Sally thinks best chance, we gotta use the digitizer, and I'm going in to fight Phage directly. Ellie says, Whoa, hold on. No, you're a princess. What are you talking about? But Sally says, Listen. Our right to rule comes from protecting the citizens. I know you don't like Nicole, but don't you dare say she is not a life worth saving. Fantastic little lines there. Good, good characterization. Sally is somebody who will not stop if it means defending those she loves. Inside the digital world, Phage has Nicole cornered. She's about to absorb her into the core. As from behind, Sally jumps up, strikes Phage's core... Comes in between them and Nicole. If you want Nicole, you're going to have to go through me. To which Phage responds, challenge accepted. End of 73. Great issue. Honestly, I, I really, really, really liked what they did here um, and really enjoyed the uh, the dark aspect of this. Uh, they handled it in a very mature and interesting way. I, I like this a lot. It's really unique. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting touches here. I mean, we talked about it, the trauma of losing a loved one, your child especially, isolating yourself and the dangers that it comes with, and then also your past coming back to haunt you. There's like so much here in just this one issue. It's it's well done. Well done. Yeah, it's it's excellent. It shows that you can be really mature about these stories and, and these concepts, but also do them in a way that fits within the context of, of a kid's comic, which I think is something that, you know, Archie Sonic has consistently displayed pretty well over the last hundred-ish issues that we've, we've, we've sort of been about it ever since Ian really took over. But I think this is like a really good apex point of that where it shows that, yeah, you can discuss these complex topics and do them in a way that doesn't feel overdramatized or overexploratory. It, it, it makes kids grapple with the idea of like what it means to lose somebody you really care about. Treat And done with respect to respect to these ideas. Yes, exactly. And they're not sort of just paraded around and just sort of thrown to the wind, which is crucial to that. Let's move on to Sonic Universe issue 74. Flynn, Baker, and Yardley, the creative team. 
We open. Sally is screaming at Nicole to get out of the system while she holds off Phage. But what Nicole does is generate a spear out of data, pierces Phage's core, and in that distraction, takes Sally and flies with her to another part of the system as Phage starts to go berserk. Then in the physical world, Tails and Big arrive to the Lake of Rings. Tails thinks he's going to go swim for the emerald in there, but it turns out the lake is filled with badnik piranhas, about to take a bite out of him. So badniks are starting to swarm them from behind. Tails is starting to fight one off as our man, Big, takes his fishing rod, reels in the chaos emerald from the bottom of the lake. Tails is just like, dude, how'd you even do that? Practice. Based? <laughs> yeah, it's in one shot too, huh? No, 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 no bullshit necessary. My guy, Master Fisher. So now with the yellow chaos emerald in hand, Tails thinks it's best to go back. But now uh, Dark Gaia monsters are destroying their ride. Now we move to the digital world. Nicole and Sally are hiding behind a wall. And Nicole chastises Sally for, again, putting yourself in danger. And hey, I couldn't exactly, like, just go back to my handheld either, you know? Phage was blocking my access. But then in a moment of weakness, she kind of admits that's the logical explanation, but not the real one. I, I just didn't want you to get hurt. That's why I acted pretty recklessly back there. So Nicole says, listen... We'll get through it. We always do. Although, I think a direct fight with Phage is out of the question. If only I could fly like you did back there. So, this is kind of, this kind of did, like, kind of activate my, my, my brain a little bit. And Nicole says, look, the thing about the digital world is that, in theory, you can fly. The thing is, is that the digitizer interprets the system in a way your mind can understand. Because you don't think you can fly, you're not able to in here. There's a psychological barrier at play. That's a really interesting concept, huh? So, unfortunately, Sally thinks we don't have time to do any brain retraining. We have to stop Phage, like, now? Others could get hurt. Or worse. New plan. Phage blocked us from leaving the way they came in, but what about the digital world? Well, Nicole says it is connected to the system, but you can't survive in the digital world indefinitely, Sally. But she says to we have a plan. Tails was messing around with one of Elodie's inventions. Roll with it. I got a plan. As she then uses her energy rings to project a shield and a saber. Interesting. Interesting. I, I've, I, I guess maybe this is that, that effect of the digitization in action, creating out of thin air. It's really cool. I like it. Phage is increasingly angered, demanding Nicole and Sally to show themselves. And Sally does so, serving in the distraction, and bolts for the door that goes to the digital world. Phage is chasing after her. As Sally kind of mutters to herself, like, oh, come on, I could be as fast as Sonic in the datascape, you stupid logical brain. <laughs> <laughs> she steps out, and then she just admires the landscape of the digital world. As Phage comes in from behind, now ever increasing in power, if you couldn't beat me in there, what makes you think you can take me out here? And Sally says, oh, I can't. This is only just a distraction. And calls out Nicole, to which she yanks on a sling ring that Sally was wearing on her wrist. And she's yoinked back into Elodie's system. And once inside, Nicole creates another firewall to keep Phage out. But Phage is fighting to get back in. And on their back, there's more little viruses that Sally is holding off. And Phage begins to taunt Nicole. You are weak, inferior, outdated. The rings and the research will be mine. And the Chaos Emerald as well. There's no regard to the physical world. If I don't break something in worthwhile, Eggman will never forgive me for my past mistakes. That's something that's never going to be uh, brought up again. 
as far as I'm aware. Yeah, interesting, interesting line regardless. As Sally and Nicole fight to keep Phage out, uh, failing desperately, uh, Elodie looks over Sally's body in, in, in the real world as the Badniks finally break in. Seeing the red star rings in his hand, Elodie runs over to Nicole's digitalizer and plugs the red star ring directly on top, giving Nicole a new form overclocked nicole now i'm not gonna lie nicole getting a super form <laughs> uh, yeah uh I, that was not on the bingo card i'm not gonna lie it's um pretty incredible that this is a decision that they just decided to come up with i actually like the design it's an all pink version of nicole with uh red star ring accents uh on the uh, cuffs and uh, bottoms of her shoes it's uh, really cool actually and when she transforms into her overclocked form, it creates a sort of like AOE effect where the little viruses are instantly purged around Sally and Phage is now angered. The red star ring belongs to me. But Nicole says, no, it's not. And you are not welcome here. Now get out as she creates an iron door and locks Phage out permanently. Small, small touch, but um... Why is it an iron door, one might ask? Hmm. Really makes you think, doesn't it? Really activates those neurons, doesn't it? It probably was not intentional. But I do like to think that this is some sort of esoteric callback to the Iron Dominion saga. A little, a little bit of, yeah. A little bit of a wink and a nod, if you will, you know? Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. So, systems restored. Badniks are now on regular programming, Elodie's safe and sound, and then Sally rushes into Nicole, hugging her and amazed with her new power. But, you know, she's humble about it. Phage has been weakened and won't be coming back anytime soon. But Sally says, no, don't sell yourself short. You saved us all. And as she's continuing to have her in her embrace, Nicole takes one good look at herself in her overclocked form. This is a very interesting shot. Why, why is, th there's a very, like, like, confused, almost, like, pondering look at her form. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know if this is gonna go anywhere, truth be told, but it's very interesting that this is the final shot we see of Overclock Nicole. Interesting. So the next day passes as, uh, Tails lets the gang know that they got a message from Rotor and that they're gonna have to catch up to them in Apatos. Big response in Apatos? Uh, instead of in the plane, <laughs> Apatos. One word. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so now the final shot in the background, we see Sally saying her goodbyes to Dr. Elodie. He admits he was surprised that Nicole using the red star ring is what saved us all. And he decides to even give him one. I hope maybe one day you could use it to save the world and, and all that. <laughs> wow, a chaos emerald right under our noses, huh? And I'm surprised I couldn't even put two and two together with the red star rings forming. Man, I maybe I should retire after all. Good lord. All you can say to Sally is, good luck. And hey, say hi to your dad for me. And look, one more thing. You know, those things that I said last night and Sally just stops says, no, look, forget it. We weren't in our right minds. He says, yeah, but look, either way it was right. I haven't been fair to Nicole. And Sally says, well, you know... Nicole can't replace Nikki in your heart, but Elodie stops her again, says at the end of the day, I just really wish that Nicole and Nikki could have gotten to know each other. You know, King Acorn originally wanted the Grand Archive to be a government project, but Nikki insisted it become a public library. But as far as Nicole herself goes, 
I, I still need a little more time, okay? Nicole and Sally then walk to the tornado. As Sally is about to say something to Nicole, but she wants to say something. She goes to Elodie. I understand the circumstances of my creation. I was created to be the neural network that Nikki's mind was supposed to adapt to when her body failed and never got the chance to. I guess an early form of the digitizer, if you will. And my growth came because of those circumstances, a digital form of an organic mind. In a way, my growth came at the cost of Nikki's life. So I understand if you don't want to deal with me. Elodie says, listen, hold on, and then hands her the second red star ring. You know, it's going to take a little while for the lab to get back up and running, but I guess you'd have better use of it anyway. Just send me your data, okay? She accepts that as they're ready to head out. Sally offers Nicole to ride back in her handheld, but she says, actually, no. This time, I want to feel the wind on my face. And then the final shot is Tails flying the tornado with Nicole, with Sally and Big on the wings, side by side with her friends. Um, I gotta say, this arc really impressed me. I did not expect this to go this dark. And learning that Nicole in this world is sort of a uh, little bit of a complicated little thing that Sally was placed upon. But it turned out for the best. Turned out to be something really good and really something close that Sally keeps to her heart. Yeah, I think that the um, the character themes in this arc are great. I think the dialogue is really good. Uh, like you said, at the beginning, it's a little little bit of a setup. But once you get it, once it gets going, it's interesting. Phage, um, you know, we didn't really talk a lot about Phage, but I, I will say that the idea of a a a all-consuming uh, maniacal computer virus, uh, it's it's a trope that's been done before, but it's it's one that never necessarily gets old for me. I I'm always a fan of it. I think it's very very fun, and you can do a lot of cool stuff with it. But generally, uh. Yeah, it's just a really good arc. It's really well written, and I, I don't have a lot to really say. It, it, I think the story kind of speaks for itself. That's kind of been what we've been seeing a lot about Reboot Archie, is that the stories are so pretty there in quality that, you know, every now and again we have those deeper discussions when they're there, but, like, sometimes if it's good, it's good, you know? Yeah, and I think that that is something that that we can um, that we are definitely going to be elaborating more on, um, you know, as we continue forward into the series. But consistency is key. It, it really is, you know. Even sometimes when there's a weak issue or two where we may not have that much to say, you know, it's still enjoyable at a baseline. It's like, yeah, this is good. Yeah, not much to say. You know, setup issue at best. Let's keep the ball rolling. What's happening here? So that is the end of our universe arc, but. We have some more stuff for you guys. This episode might be a little long, but you, you'll see why. <laughs> you'll see why. You'll see why. So now we go to Free Comic Book Day 2015. So why are we doing a Free Comic Book Day? Uh, well, it's not actually necessarily related to the plot, but it is a double-sided issue, uh, both figuratively and literally. It's two sides. So if you read it front to back, you would start with the Mega Man half, and then if you read it from the other way, you would go to the Sonic half. I need to ask, Speed, remember remember that one guy? You know, that one guy from the Mega Man comics, which you can listen to all of our Mega Man comics on patreon.com slash sonicspeed, discount cut off. Uh, do you remember that one guy, Xander Payne? Uh, yes, the uh, the leader of the uh, terrorist group named after the production company that made the infamous 90s Mega Man cartoon, Ian Flynn. What the hell, man? Listen, he's just too based, okay? <laughs> 
They don't want to keep him on a leash. He's just that powerful. So for those who maybe don't want to spend the time and read the fantastic Mega Man comics, I think it's important that we do provide some backstory on Xander Payne. Now, in the Mega Man comics, Xander Payne was somebody who was just an average Joe out on patrol working for the military. But when the first Wily invasion happened uh, during the events of Mega Man 1 within the comics, Payne was injured, sustaining a massive injury to his eye that basically forced him to take robotics in order to heal it. He began to take it out on people and formed an extremist terrorist group called uh, the Emerald Spears. He engaged in a lot of acts of terrorism, including uh, almost blowing up an entire robot museum, ruining New Year's, but was foiled by Mega Man both times. Eventually, after a series of events, he escaped, making it to uh, what is called the Kronos Institute in the comic, where he jumped forward in time to the time of Mega Man X, where he finds that the entire world is living alongside Reploids. After an almost uh, mind-bending, mind-breaking experience, he returns back in time and is uh, suitably crazy, believing now that he crossed over once and he'll do it again. It's fate. It's destiny, a loop. The hands go around the clock, but they never really get anywhere. You'll see just like I have, and I'll find a way to save us all, no matter how many lives it takes. So that's the Mega Man side of this comic. We've sort of given a brief backstory because, believe it or not, Pain is uh, going to be a very important character in future issues. Yes, and uh, if you could not tell, this free comic book day issue is intended to be a prelude to the second Sonic Mega Man crossover. Pinning that for now... As we read the Sonic side of Free Comic Book Day 2015, Ian Flynn wrote, and we actually have a new artist for this issue. So his name is Adam Bryce Thomas. Another fan turned creative. Story is kind of similar to Diana Skelly's. Archie Sonic was his first work in the comic book industry. He works for IDW Sonic Today. Additionally, he also works on IDW's Transformers and Samurai Jack miniseries. I have heard really good things about that IDW Transformers comic. Me as well. I've heard it is uh, probably some of the best Transformers content you can get. You know, fuck it. Side tangent about Transformers. Can we just talk about the fact that Transformers has had a relatively consistent media presence for a very long time and that most of that media is pretty solid for what it's worth? I'm going to be real with you. The first time I ever, I guess, engaged with Transformers as a as media, I guess, was... Uh, Unfortunately, the Michael Bay movies. But I was a kid when I watched them, and I thought it was the coolest shit ever, for the record. Well, I engaged with Transformers back on Cartoon Network with um, Armada and uh, Energon uh, when those were going on, and uh, I suitably loved them. I watched uh, some 80s Transformers growing up, and, you know, I mean, I've seen the OG Transformers movie, which is very, very good for what it's worth. But yeah, I mean, it's it's... It's definitely interesting how Transformers uh, as, an, as an IP has been very consistent. It's it's premise. They've taken to a very dark place at times, and they, they're able to get away with it despite it being a toy, uh, you know, for kids uh, regardless. But this is not a Transformers podcast. This is a Sonic the Hedgehog podcast. So let's talk about Sonic. <laughs> we see Sonic in Apatos. He's on the run from Eggman and the robots on the attack. Eggman's freaking out that Sonic is here bothering him as from above they see a portal opening up. And out of it comes the, a demon, the Ifrit, which is the same one from Sonic Rivals 2. That's how it's marked in the editor's notes. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> that This is a... Uh... 
I don't even know how I want to approach this. I don't even know if I want to go here. Have you played Sonic Rivals 2? Both of them, I have. Yeah, I have too. They're, they are... Is interesting the good way to call it? I don't have... I don't know how to describe them with human words. I don't know how to describe them either. They're weird fucking games. It's even weirder how, like, Rivals... I think was the first game to be released after Sonic 06, and technically that's Silver's first appearance in the proper canon. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's something. I don't know. Granted, Silver's not bad in that game. No, he's not. Yeah, I know. It's, it, it's, it re- all the, all the Silver hate is really just contained to 06, but even then he has some good moments, but we're not talking about that right now. So Eggman's robots are attacking the Ifrit distracting so Eggman can get away. Eggman is saying he needs to continue looking for that old man. And after the Ifrit destroys the robots, Sonic has to get into the fray. Not too mad about it, though he gets to have some fun on his own. So Sonic bunks it on the head, doesn't do much, and when he's on its back, Sonic's gonna get roasted by its fire breath. And really, really wishes for some help right now, as out of nowhere, a white shield protects Sonic. And then in the other side... We see that was made by Silver. Oh, hey, look, speak, hey, look at this, speak of the devil, there he is. <laughs> ah, jeez. Sonic is, uh, he's kind of having a little bit of a laugh with Silver, making some time travel jokes, no time like the present, etc., etc. And Silver's just like, okay, dude, like, you need to shut the fuck up, I'm going to feed you to the Ifrit if you don't stop. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, there is a time and a place for everything, bro. L. Come on, L. man. L. Come on. L. Read the fucking room. Uh, Sonic says, okay, well, we sealed the Ifrit back then in its own dimension, so, like, why is it back? Silver says, it's because of the Genesis portals. I'll explain later, but right now, let's drive this thing back in the hole in the sky. So, Sonic's idea, Silver, fling me toward the hole. As Silver's just like, uh, alright, throws him up, and Sonic uh, shouts at the Ifrit to follow him, and on the other side of the portal, Sonic sees its dimension, Saying, ah, oh, yeah, I definitely do not miss this place at all. And when the Ifrit arrives on the other side, Sonic bounces off it, goes back through the portal to his home world, and Silver closes the portal with his power. Then, uh, Sonic's falling, so Silver has to catch him in the air. Now's the time to talk. So, Silver says the reason why he's here is because his ally, uh, put it like this. And we see this guy he met in his time by the name of Professor Von Schlemmer, this guy is actually another character from AOSTH, but I'll get more to that later. So just roll with me for now, okay? Okay? Just roll with uh, it. Uh, deep cut, Tim? So, the Genesis portals, Von Schlemmer says, these things are the result of something that happened to our reality a couple, like, 200 years ago, which are the events of Worlds Collide. Reality was shattered... And now these holes are shards of space-time, leading to worlds entirely different and time separate from our own. I'm worried about the effects that they could have on our universe. So Silver, go look into them. And Silver says he's been doing just that, hopping through portals and closing them one by one ever since. So Sonic says, well, you know, thanks for doing that at least. I kind of got my hands full with restoring the planet. Silver says, yeah, you know, don't worry. I know you guys can handle that much. You know, I don't really know what could pop out of these Genesis portals. Meanwhile, though, Eggman was spying on them with a badnik, and he learns about the Genesis portals, and he thinks to himself, ooh, what could I do with this power? Perhaps conquer a world or two. Interesting. Where will it lead? Well, we'll find out rather soon. 
Mm-hmm. That's the end of our free comic book day issue, and now we're going to move to something else that's also very, very interesting. Our next story is Sonic Super Special 12, The Traitor. You can, you can guess as to who this quote-unquote traitor is supposed to be. Flynn and Thomas, the creative team. We open deep inside Mount Freedom in the Guardian Units of Nations HQ, as Dr. Julian Snively is being interrogated. Yes, and his interrogator is gun agent Madonna Garnet. And um, her design is clearly modeled after Topaz from Sonic X, and I'm also sure her name being Garnet is also to connect to that. Also, her name being Madonna is a reference to the scrapped beta concept for Sonic having a girlfriend named Madonna. Who is also a human while he's a hedgehog. And any similarities are purely coincidental. Yes, absolutely. So, she starts, state your name for the record, Dr. Julian Snively, and I have spent my career working for Gunn. He goes into it, part of the R&D branch, and it's because of me I have our unmanned battle drones. And then when he's asked about his involvement for Eggman, says, listen, um, Eggman was a, he was a co-worker in our past, and Snively came across his schemes for conquest, and he insists he was roped along as an unwitting agent, but we see from the art that, um, that's not exactly true, if you catch my drift. Yeah, the classic Snively uh, deflection. He swears up and down. Uh, I was a, I was gonna be a double agent and report back to Gun when possible. And then when Eggman conspired with Nagus to overthrow King Acorn, Eggman planned to trick the king into thinking that the United Federation was planning to invade his territory. But we, we came as noble agents, and as a result, Eggman was given total access to royal lands and resources. As Snively insisted, he was trying to just stay in the shadows, waiting for the right time to warn the king. So Garnet concludes, you were betraying both the Federation and the Kingdom of Acorn. But he insists, well, I was spying for both with my life on the line. Snively moment, Snively moment, Snively moment, Snively moment. <laughs> so Snively says that their construction's plans were spread out. South Island was to be strip mined for resources, while West Side Island was, were to be refinement plants. As we see Snively building the chemical plant zone. Uh, although, ultimately, our plans were to find the Chaos Emeralds and build the masterpiece, the Death Egg. But, King Acorn caught on soon enough, and by then, Nogus grew impatient. So, both of them were banished into the Special Zone. Snively claims he wasn't there when it happened, so I couldn't have stopped anything if I knew, but, of course, we see him front and center. Of course. Alright, Garnet asks. Well, what happened? Well, you know what happened. Sonic the Hedgehog happened. He destroyed the operation on South Island, all the while rallying a group of kids to take back to their kingdom and restore King Acorn to power. Well, long story short, Sonic destroyed the Death Egg, right? Snively claims he wanted to return to Gun, but says he had to work to contain the forces on Angel Island and keep them from stealing the Master Emerald. When in reality, we see him piloting the Egg Robo, as in the background, Knuckles is fighting Mecha Sonic. Great, great, great little little touch. We discussed it earlier um, in our previous episode, but I really like this. I like that the 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 way that they're tying Snively in. It's it's interesting. I think it's really really cool. And also this, what we also just mentioned about Sonic rallying the kids. Obviously, those are the Freedom Fighters. So this is it. My theory is kind of slowly coming correct that the end game arc is basically the events of Sonic Two. That's really cool, actually. 
It is. It's very interesting. So Snively continues that he was chased off by the ignorant savage Knuckles. What was true then is true now. He is not sufficient security for that important resource. I was just trying to get it in control of Gun and have it be sent back here safely. And Garnet says, okay, stop. Your story's off track. And he ends it with saying, listen, I turned myself into the nearest gun base. I debriefed every detail when I was Eggman's prisoner. Just put it on the record. I am more loyal to Gun than ever before has a little little shit eating grin too cap that's cap bro am i at a baseball game i'm seeing so many caps around i know bro there's so much cap i i can't believe this bro so the interrogation's over garnet tells commander tower who was watching behind a one-way mirror i tried to catch him in on a lie but every detail was consistent with his previous deposition and tower says listen it's fine you know what they say keep your friends close and your enemies closer and I intend to keep Dr. Snively, where I can keep a very close eye on him. As he's seen walking away, uh, ripping apart a picture of Sonic in half. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Very Snively. Very Snively. Top to bottom. He's not that much different at the end of the day, although the story... You know, they had to make up a new little backstory for him, but... I like it. I especially like those little sprinkled-in moments of how they incorporated the game storyline with this new world's history. Alright! So, we move on to our final two comics, which are Sonic the Hedgehog 272 and Sonic Universe number 75. Oh my god, Universe has been going for 75 issues? Holy shit. Pretty crazy, man. I can't believe it. Universe is the longest, I guess, spin-off comic that the Archie book had. It's pretty impressive. Honestly, most of the stuff in Universe has been quality. So let's get into 272. We have an interesting situation this time. Uh, Flynn is obviously the writer, but James Fry did the pencils for page 1 through 10, and Evan Stanley did the pages 11 through 20. Yeah, they went half and half. That's very... That's an interesting team-up. Uh, hmm. Yeah, just interesting. Yeah. So we open in Apatos, Sonic and the crew, fighting off a bunch of Edman badniks, uh, finishing up some work as Chip is beyond impressed by the work that Sonic and Antoine did. Now, when the dust settles, Antoine comments that there were a lot. Well, Sonic comments how he ran into all these Eggman's robots while uh, while he was with Silver just a second ago. Antoine thinks that with so much Eggman presence here, this Gregoire guy must have some important secret or something. But Sonic says, all things considered, we're on the up and up. We're good for Chaos Emeralds, but not so much for Gaia Temples. Chip, though, says he doesn't feel like he's really putting his weight. He's supposed to be the light Gaia, but I don't know how to do that. But Sonic says, hey, man, you want to help us, right? Well, your heart's in the right place, and you're doing what you can to help out. You're here with us now. That's all that really counts. So Chip, he's invigorated, promised he wants to give his all to save the world, as he's quickly distracted by someone selling ice cream sundaes. There it is. There's that little scene. Uh, 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 God, there's a shitpost about this fucking scene. I can't remember it off the top of my head. I've seen it so many times. Anyways, yeah, uh, it's the ice cream sundae scene. Aboard the Sky Patrol, Knuckles is telling the Freedom Fighters about how he had to shatter the Master Emerald and is on a hunt for the pieces of it scattered around the world. That's what I was doing when I was roped into the fighting tournament. And Amy, man, she really can't let this go. Still salty about being owned in the ring. But uh, <laughs> Bunny, though, interrupts that, hey, wait, so what happened to Angel Island? Knuckles says it's still floating along with the rest of the planet. That's the one good thing to come out of all this. But Cream says, well, if we fix the planet, that means the island's gonna fall, right? Although Rotor doesn't want to postpone saving the world, obviously. So now Amy asks Knuckles, hey, how have you been tracking the shards? And he adds, mostly just intuition. 
it kind of works only at close range. Farther than a couple miles, I'm kind of guessing. So then Amy thinks, well, maybe I can use the Mystic Melody to see if I can track them long range. Does her thing? Wait, yeah, actually, yes. There's a shard down in Apatos. So now Knuckles thinks, wait, okay, this is perfect. Amy, you can hunt long distance, and I can go in close range. We got a winning situation here. But uh, Rotor got to have a stick somewhere, the sun don't shine, saying, hey, we got to focus on the big picture here. Amy, you got the best bet to finding the Gaia temples. And, you know, not too long ago, the Sky Patrol almost got overrun. We can't divide ourselves while the world is suffering. But then Bunny brings up, hey, you know, Angel Island is part of the world. And Cream adds that, you know, Knuckles not only brought us one Chaos Emerald, but helped us win the second one. It's only right that we help him. Rotor says, hey, hey, look, I'm not saying we don't help Knuckles. I'm saying we have to prioritize the entire world, not just a piece of it. We got to find the Gaia Temples for that, though. Huh. Uh, I don't know how I feel about this characterization stuff with Rotor. I mean, I get it, but it also just feels a little... It doesn't feel like a character trait that, that suits him, I guess. I, I suppose. I don't think there was any good character necessarily that would have played this role that Ian wants to play. It's It just kind of creates drama for the sake of it, I think. And sometimes it, it kind of just doesn't go anywhere as a result just because of how the story has to go, if you understand what I mean. Yeah, for sure. So we then cut, ironically enough, to Sonic, Antoine, and Chip uh, at the entrance of a temple, as saying that... Uh, you know, hey, I'm here, you sent for me. And I brought, like, Gaia with me. The man welcomes him in, saying his name is Gregorios. As they walk through the temple, and they open up a hidden door to what is the Gaia Gate. The single most important place in the world. He continues, while anyone can enter the temples, the inner chambers are locked to all intruders. These gates serve as connections to the other Gaia temples around the world. However, to enter the inner gates will take a set of two keys, the sun and the moon keys, entrusted to certain people around the world, and they keep their duty a secret. And all the while, like, Antoine was, like, in the background kind of giving commentary, and Sonic's just like, bro, shut up. <laughs> Alright, so now they have a new plan. We've got to collect these keys, and we come back here to fix the world all in one fell swoop. Then we don't have to worry about Eggman's army coming in and ransacking the Gaia temples. As uh, Sonic continues to mock Antoine, saying, what else can you say at the obvious on, huh, buddy? Ah, <laughs> <sighs> uh, the two of them always yapping at each other nonstop. So then, he says, well, okay... You guys need to get the keys as quickly as possible. Eggman sent Metal Sonic after me, so it won't take long for him to realize he needs the keys as well. I did not say anything, so Eggman probably does not know about the Gaia Gate. I had to break my vow of silence for this as well, and hands Chip a list of names. These are the people around the world who are guarding Sun and Moon Keys. So, they take their leave. Chip hoping that maybe the keys will help get his memories back, but for Sonic though, night falls, and he transforms into his werehog form hopefully then after this that this won't have to happen anymore but then they hear screaming nearby and then jump into action they shout for the people lead to safety as antoine and sonic take out the dark gaia monsters handily and when they're surrounded sonic kind of like ribs antoine saying hey aren't you scared of these things buddy he says oh oh no yeah i'm terrified but i will as you say deal with it to which they hear a loud roar a dark gaia titan Coming toward them. Can you handle that? Uh, we. Oui, but I'm really wishing I did not have to. <laughs> okay, that's pretty good. Now, as they start to fight, 
Chip is frantically calling for Rotor on a Miles Electric as Antoine goes in to handle the smaller monsters. Of course, while Sonic handles Tiny over there. And he is struggling, but he's holding back the club trying to do his best to keep it going. But then in comes in Bunny, Amy, and Knuckles. Sally's team is on the way, by the way, and also, like, they're fine, for the record. And Knuckles recognizes this particular monster. Me and the Chaotix had to fight one off to get the Red Chaos Emerald. So Sonic asks, okay, how did you beat it? Well, um, we had beam lob bobs on it, then we punched it lots. Sonic says, oh, well, I'm down for the punch it lots. And Knuckles is like, okay, you know what? You like this? Actually pretty sick. I'm down for this. <laughs> so there was, there was actually a bit of a discussion uh, that went on uh, around the time of, uh, of this game's release that um, the Werehog combat, if you really think about it, could just be applied to Knuckles in some form. So to have them fighting together is, uh, is, is very, very sanctimonious to that idea. It's, it's cute. You know what? You're right. Not only that, I remember when Unleashed was coming out. I remember this specific like IGN interview where the Sega rep said, oh yeah, Knuckles and Shadow are in the game. And obviously like they weren't for the final release. But I think when that interview came out, people were like, oh no, yeah, that makes sense. You can play as Shadow during the daytime stages, Knuckles during the nighttime stages. Makes perfect sense. But like I said, they were not in the game. Despite the fact that having Shadow's involvement with Gun trying to fix the Shattered World and also seeing as Knuckles lives on a floating island, they might be, you know could be key players in a story like that, and they just weren't in the fucking game. Very interesting that that was a dev comment. I've never actually heard that anywhere. Hmm. Oh, the thing- I swear to God, it's like I'm the only person who brings that up. Every time I mention this, people are like, what? Dude, that's crazy. What are you talking about? And I can't find it anywhere. A part of me thinks I just, like, Berenstein bears this shit in my head. Interesting. <laughs> Anyway, uh, my schizo moment aside. Uh, <laughs> oh, sweet schizo moment. <laughs> uh, so, so when they're going in for it, the body starts to melt around, and they find that a master emerald shard was lodged inside the Dark Dia Titan. The plan is, Knuckles drive it back while Sonic tries to yank the shard out, but it's not budging. As our boy Antoine nuts up, takes his sword, runs up Sonic's stretched arm, and he wedges his sword into the monster and shimmies the shard free. Based, based, based. Bunny goes in for the catch, saying, that's my man, as Anton says, uh, let us save the world, so I am never having to do that again. <laughs> the Titan's falling, as Amy and Knuckles look at each other with a grin of determination. And they finish it off. Amy's saying, oh, nice work. This almost makes up for the tournament. Knuckles starts pleading, the round started. I thought you were ready. Stop making me the bad guy. Bruh. <laughs> Bruh. Uh, Sonic delivers the shard to Knuckles. As in the back, uh, Antoine asks Bunny to please put me down now. The others are staring, but she's like, no, but like, you're cute like this, though. <laughs> Yo, do you think that man gets pegged? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, <clears throat> so when Chip finally gets Rotor on the line, hey, it's all good. Night's saved, so we're all good here. Then Chip tells Rotor, oh, by the way, we found who we need to get the keys for the Gaia temples. We can just use this gate here to enter them, so we don't even need to know exactly where they are. And with that bit of news, that means Amy's free to help Knuckles look for the Master Emerald Shards. And uh, at that moment... Sonic overhears that, and Sonic's, like, a little concerned that Amy's gonna be leaving them for a sec, but Knuckles is just like, what, buddy, uh, you jealous or something? And he's just like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> In the Sky Patrol, 
uh, once again, we have another scene of Cream pestering Rotor for her to go on missions. And Rotor just says, look, you will when they don't involve nine monsters, okay? Okay. Then Omo Chow calls in, saying, all right, boys, we got a call. Rotor picks it up. It's from Rouge. And she says, listen, guys, uh, this is off the books, right? A little off the record. More of a professional courtesy, okay? I'm delivering some info to you guys. As much as I don't want to give up some treasure, a gun unit has found a Chaos Emerald in the Crystal Desert Zone. They're guarding it. You interested? And Rotor says, absolutely. Meanwhile, Eggman flying in his Eggmobile, saying he wants to give Metal Sonic clearance for whatever he's doing, as uh, Orbot tells him he has a call on the line. He's in the middle of a hostile takeover, uh, as we see an image of the Lost Hex. Hey, wait a minute. Uh, Aren't we still uh, doing Sonic Unleashed? What the fuck, man? Hey. Um, I think the less we say about this game, the better. Uh, let's, uh, let's move on. Uh, we'll talk. We'll, we'll talk more about it soon. Yeah, Metal has been given the all clear as he flies down to where the Chaos Emerald being held by Gun is. And that's the end of two seventy two. So that was that was interesting. Cute moments. Solid, solid, solid issue overall. Um, we didn't mention it, but the Sun and Moon Key system. That was actually used in the Wii version of Sonic Unleashed. Uh, there were Gaia Gates to which you needed uh, the Sun and the Moon Key in order to enter and uh, partake in the levels uh, for the day and nighttime stages. That's interesting to bring that into, oh, Ian. We, we love your attention to detail, man. We, we just love your attention to detail. Yeah, he, you, you think he's going to add the fucking metal system from the HD version? <laughs> oh, God, don't even get me fucking started on that shit. They just, like, find the little coins out in the desert and they put it in, like, a slot machine? Yeah, I don't even want to talk about that shit. Oh, God. So, anyway, like we said, end of 272, but we got one more for you guys. We're tr- we're really treating you guys today. Jesus Christ, we're treating you guys. Sonic Universe, issue 75, another milestone issue. Good wow. lord. Flynn and Yardy, the creative team, issue fittingly titled Fury. We open in the Crystal Desert as Metal Sonic's assault has already happened. Sonic, Tails, and Bunny are mid-pursuit as Metal runs for his life, and the rest of the Freedom Fighters nearby are cleaning up the mess that he's created. Yep, they're tending to the attack troops as Sally gets a call from Rouge saying, Yo guys, what the fuck? I gave you a heads up about the Emerald, and then everything goes cold from you guys and Gun. What the hell? And Sally says, Listen, Metal Sonic took the Emerald, and then Rouge is like, Oh, god fucking damn it. Okay, but at the very least, Sally says... Sonic, Tails, and Bunny are in hot pursuit. We're back to that scene of Metal Sonic on the run, and then he comments that there is a space-time anomaly detected and books it as an escape route. But Sonic's not giving up that easily and tackles Metal as they both fall into the portal and closes behind them to Bunny and Tails' shock. We enter as the two fall into the burning ruin zone. I've never... Where is this from? Do you know? Is this Rivals 2? I've... I want to say yes, but a part of me also feels like this may be an original zone. It is comics exclusive. As Sonic falls in, he's uh, a little taken aback. And then sees Silver flying over. Uh, The two are surprised to see each other. But Metal Sonic says, psych, and slams his knee right into Sonic as he jets off. Well, now they're stranded here. So Silver said he tried to grab him, but when he flew away... It says, man, like, I'm sorry I couldn't help you out more, but it's as if Metal Sonic moves faster than you, Sonic, which he comments is lies and slander. (laughs) Cute. 
cute. So even though Metal got away, I don't think he could go very far. It's not like there's many places to hide around here. Silver catches Sonic up. He's been closing Genesis portals, and even though he's been trapped here, Silver detects three budding portals nearby. A lot of them, for some reason, seems to go back to your world, Sonic, so one of them is bound to go there. And then the two run through the zone. And Sonica asks Silver about his oh-so-daunting task, you know. You're just closing these portals, right? You're not really doing anything to, like, stop them from being made. Don't you think this is something more like a futile effort? Silver then says, well, you're right, it is a daunting task, but the way that I see it, like, I don't think I could live with myself if something happened to someone when I know I could have done something. Sonic actually does agree with that sentiment. And then asking Silver says, hey, Silver, um... You know, seeing as you're from the future and all, d do we win? His response, wait, win what? Fix the shattered planet, I mean, because Eggman or not, I did have a hand in breaking it. Uh, Silver quickly responds saying that you probably shouldn't say it might pollute the time stream or history. Sonic rightfully say this coming from you? Owned. Owned. Yeah, Silver's just like, hey man, look, I did it to save my time, but eh, eh. The conversation stops there. They come across a burning pit. Silver says this is where the Genesis portals will be popping up. And so Sonic knows Metal can detect these, so maybe we can ambush them here. Although Sonic does add, well, Metal is based on me and how I think, which um, I guess that could probably mean Metal Sonic ambushes them, swiping away as he flies in between, and he's going for the portals. Silver tries to hold on to him with his ESP, but Metal breaks free with a Black Shield Matrix, and uh, Metal taunts him saying, it's no use. Ah, laugh. there it is. There laugh. it is. Laugh, laugh, bro. <laughs> laugh, laugh. You laugh it up. There's the joke. There's the zinger. Which then Sonic takes the distraction and kicks the emerald out of Metal's hand and races him down the crater for it. They're bumping and kicking into each other. And then they realize that the emerald is about to fall into the lava. And then Silver is able to catch it with his power, pulls out the Uno reverse card saying, you're too slow. Laugh. <laughs> that was a two-for-one special. Yeah, two-for-fucking-one, huh? Then Sonic kicks Metal into the lava in the pit. Hey, I've seen that before. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> oh. A couple of times, actually. Yeah, that's only gonna slow him down, so we gotta get a move on. They're brought back up to these Genesis portals. Okay, these two portals lead into other worlds, but this one goes back to yours. Near where you left, actually, so I, you're, you're good, man. But Sonic has a new plan. Taking the emerald as Metal Sonic bursts out of the lava, Sonic taunts him, leading Metal to chase him and Silver. Silver's like, hey, man, uh, is it really smart to, like, taunt a killer robot? Yeah, probably not, but, like, it is fun. <laughs> uh, that's a Sonic moment. Just a Sonic Indeed. moment. Just a Sonic moment. Thing is, though, Metal can never stop. He always keeps running, but so do I. The thing is, I know when to stop. And then Sonic stops on a dime in front of a portal, leaving Metal to continue flying through it, and then Silver closes the portal behind him, leaving Metal Sonic alone in a void in space. With that over, Silver points him to the portal back home, and before Sonic goes, he does want to know, do we really fix everything or not? And Silver's just like, okay, man, look, I'm gonna, let me level it with you. If I told you yes, then it's all good, right? Doesn't matter. But if I told you that you don't, would you just accept that and just give up? And then Sonic takes like a solemn look at the Emerald and just says, no, then I'd fight against Destiny too. That's a very like interesting little character back and forth. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 very in character for Sonic, very raw. I'm a big fan of it. Sonic jumps in uh, later Silver and closes the portal behind him, leaving Silver to fly into what is the last open portal. He's in an area with an ice cap mountain nearby and just wonders where he is. More on that later. <laughs> You'll never guess where he is. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a little confused, but uh, part of me has an inclination. Mm. I think I might, I, might, I might have a guess. Yeah, I'm sure we can... Take a guess or two, but back in Sonic's world, Sally is telling the Freedom Fighters, all right, we got to find Sonic. Tails and Rotor, you guys will be working to get that portal open again. She and Nicole will be leading to tend the gun troops, and everyone else will be splitting up into pairs to find more portals in case we can reach Sonic that way. But, um, Sonic just kind of like falls out of a portal that popped in overhead and falls flat on his face. So I was just like, okay, yeah, that works too, I guess. <laughs> Amy jumps into Sonic's arms, so happy that he's back, and then gets disgusted that he smells like a fireplace. Sonic uses this to his advantage and taunts Amy, saying, Come on, we're teammates. Don't you always want to be at my side? <laughs> and he's like, Yeah, yeah, after you take a shower. All right, well, they yell him back up. Okay, well, now we're six for seven on the emeralds, so cool. Although Antoine, though, comments, you know, we kind of do have issues to worry about. Like, we kind of don't know where Gaia temples are, technically, but... Sonic, as usual, gives the pep talk. We've saved some gun troopers. We sent metal packing. We got a Chaos Emerald in the end. We're the Freedom Fighters. We can handle whatever comes our way. Then, uh, meanwhile, somewhere else that's not being described. Eggman is looking at a monitor. Metal Sonic is lost in another dimension. He better find a Genesis portal and come back soon. Hey, Orbot, uh, fetch me a sandwich. He leaves, but, uh, Orbot's eyes are, uh, glowing purple. Saying to Zavok, wait, the real work will begin soon. And that is the end of Sonic Universe issue 75. That is the end of our comics today. Oh my god, we did so many. Yeah, and you're probably wondering, hey, this is a lot more than you normally do, right? Well, yes, that is correct for a very specific reason. The next proper episode is going to be Worlds Unite. The second Sonic Mega Man crossover and uh, the reason is is that I really wanted our episode 50, our milestone episode, if you will, to be an event. So I figured a crossover is a good event to qualify that, right? Yep, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. With that being said, though, there is some cleanup work I have to tell you guys about. So, so another character is pretty central to Worlds Unite, and that is Styx of Sonic Boom. And what's going to be happening next is that around this time... Archie began releasing a comic book of Sonic Boom that tied in and, and all that. So what's going to happen next episode? We are going to be releasing a sort of special episode where we talk about Sonic Boom. It's going to be like a little different from how we do things. But right after that, we're going to be getting Worlds Unite. Yes. Look forward to it. Uh, we will... We've spoken about Sonic Boom in the past, but um, I think we're going to have a bit more of an in-depth discussion about our thoughts on it. And uh, I haven't personally read any of the Sonic Boom comics, so uh, you'll be I'll, I'll be getting a fresh perspective with those. And uh, they're not a lot. It's literally 11 issues. It's a very small little window, but I have uh, I've come across some information about it that I think will be very enlightening. Fair enough. Okay, so that's the end of all of our issues today, folks. Do I even need to say any more? Kino in Sonic the Hedgehog. Damn good story in Sonic Universe. And we're leading into Worlds Unite. We got a three for three this episode. 
Absolutely, a lot of ground to cover, but I think we did it really well. I'm really happy with the direction the reboot is heading, and I think the Shattered World arc has just been playing out in a great way. It's really led to a lot of great character moments, integration and expansion on the games, and it's just it's doing such a good job of keeping me invested. I'm I'm really enjoying it. I'm having a great time. And even better, the Freedom Fighters feel like they're really part of the world, you know? I feel like if anyone else was tackling these characters in these world, they would primarily focus on Sonic and at best leave the Freedom Fighters as an afterthought or just sort of like the team mentality but we're getting like really good character interactions having these origin stories to flesh out the new histories of these old characters that came from like sat am and all of that really helps to just add so much depth snively story i loved just for them showing how exactly the games were in the world yeah it was uh really really good in that regard and uh, it made me really really happy that they uh they really just they, they, they expanded on that and they made him they made him feel in line with everything. It's really cool. Yeah, I am very much looking forward to this. And isn't it kind of crazy that we're getting another crossover while they're still technically dealing with the ramifications of the last one, if you want to think about it? Well, sometimes the, the money does the talking uh, rather than the story. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, we'll talk about that too, about how... I think we talked about it when we did Worlds Collide, but some of the criticism that came from it was that they did not feel like it naturally flowed from the story, which is like, that's fair, I guess. But the problem really is the fact that since that this is a cross company crossover between Sega and Capcom, there's not a lot of ways it can flow in. Although actually, now that I think about it, in the Mega Man comics, it flowed in a lot better. Because what we talked about with Xander Payne, that last shot of him, I believe, was him, like, etching into his prison wall. And he etches in a little, like, head of Sonic. Yeah. It's just all so interesting. Maybe Capcom was, like, a little more lenient than Sega was. I don't know. I can only guess. It's going to be very interesting. Yes. So, on that note, we can end this, uh... This little extra-length episode of the Archie Sonic Digest. We'll see you next time... For our little Sonic Boom retrospective, we do have to do our Janny duty, if you will. But we'll be in for Worlds Unite, folks, and you will be. You're gonna have a great time. And, of course, patreon.com slash sonicspeed. If you want to see Worlds Unite when it's ready, low is $2 a month. Episodes early, you'll even get our coverage of the Mega Man comics. Be up to speed on that side of the story. In addition to our pre-shows at $5 a month and a video feed at $15 a month. See you guys next time.